exactly every one of the top 40 records being played on every radio station in the United States is a communication to the children to take a trip, to cop out, to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own we don't want you to smoke genetically modified ganja. We want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana. Some call it sense media. Some call it lamb's bread. And some people call it ganja. Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. I am your host, Adam Dunn. And... I am not in the studio with... This is not Cheesecake Lady, by the way. She's not gotten this grizzle in the last month. <laughs> As it would have been bad. It would have been a rough one, Jessica, if that Ooh. was the case. But no, we've got Rev P back exactly where he was last time. And he was probably ranting and raving. Because that's what he does. He doesn't know. He thinks he doesn't. He thinks he's real quiet and stuff. But don't worry. You can talk. It's fine. I'm not going to hold you, I'm not gonna hold you th- that tight on the, on the leash. Be like, no talking. But... Uh, no, it's just because you have that voice. You have a voice right. that's, that's very, gets in there. I mean, if you were singing a song, it might be a cool thing, but since right. you're not, it's kind of no, like, oh, dude, it's that guy. Wow. But anyway, RFP's back promoting the new show next week. Trog, trog. He brought me some Thank merch. He brought me some merch, good. which will all be available here. Merch will be available. Posters will be available. I'm trying to twist his arm to sell all his original shit, but I don't know. We're gonna. It's gonna take some. I'm gonna have to go to the man himself and say, Trog, just tell him it's okay. You're an artist. You can re- you can make more art. It's not like at the end of the world. See, I'm holding it to it now. Like, it's not so, an art sale. It's an art exhibition. It's fine. Sale, sale, sale. Sell it all. Sell it. I'm sure Trog will be, agree. He'll be like, Yes, you're right, Adam. Sell it. Sell that shit. Anyway, next week. It could all be replaced. So. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, imagine just pretend you were These like... Are number ones, though. I know. That can't be replaced. No, that can't be. But, that, uh-huh. but that's the cool part. The show is definitely... And I was impressed. I saw... I mean, he just brought them down today. We're going to categorize them, make sure we know how much they're worth. <laughs> and then we're going to sell everything. Fucking uh-huh. damn it. Excellent. Next week, Friday here, the 15th it is, or 14th. What is it? 14th? I think we said the 15th. We're going 15th. Bring. I think that's the day. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's going to be a cool show, and then uh, later we'll have Jessica hopefully rolling through. We'll, if we hear the pitter-patter of the dog feet um, the coming ahead, and then we'll hear the door slam, we'll know you'll, you'll run up, lock up behind her. Oh, actually, then we have La Plata Labs, Josh, maybe coming through too, so who knows? You never, know, you never know with our close. guests. They either, no, All right. We either have too many or not enough, right? Hey. That's the key to the... Organization around here. It's like, yeah. Oh, dude, we got nine guests. Damn it. <laughs> and speaking of which, so me and Gene's probably not going to come on the show today just because he he said he needs a whole show, and that's cool. That's good. So maybe next week we're going to do. I mean, I don't know the whole show, but two hours at least. We'll do a good two hour set with him. Um, and uh, but he, we never know. And then definitely James is going to call in. That's 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 a given. Even though he's moving house, he's scrubbing floors. He said so. He's literally on his hands and knees scrubbing floors right now, <laughs> listening wow. to the show, nice. bitching and moaning. I got to call in. Hopefully you got the sound. Hopefully the sound isn't all shitty because he's in a big hollow empty room now. Oh yeah. And now that sounds. Oh yeah. It's like. Echo. It sounds terrible. It sounds like, you, yeah, when you have that, it's either the best day of your life because you're moving into a new house, it's so sick, and you call somebody like, dude, 
dude, it's awesome. And it sounds terrible when you're, or it's like, you know, misery that they just took all your shit. Yeah, <laughs> so you have nothing man. left. We got nothing left. I'm only a few hours away from getting out of here. Let's hurry this up. Right. It's exactly. dreary usually when you move out. No, nothing worse than moving, man. That is the worst feeling. Can so, you, you can definitely find your true friends. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, Amanda Chicago Lewis will be calling in in about 45 minutes and talking about the article that she wrote, which is about monopolizing cannabis and these companies out there that she kind of cracked the code on, which was very cool. If you haven't read the article, it is. There's a link on on the, uh, if you have Facebook and you checked out our thing, there's a link on there for her article. And it is worth, well, it's definitely worth reading it before you listen to her because you might even understand what the hell's going on. For once, no, but it's uh, and it's with our friends. And the reason that I, well, it was interesting because she reached out to us. I mean, I met her at a show, I think, and so uh, she wanted to be on the show, which is great. And then on top of that, you know, she interviewed Mowgli uh, Holmes from Phylos, who we've had on the show. So it was like kind of like, okay, we got we know some of the players, we know what, we do know the backstory a little bit. But if you uh, read the article, you're like, hmm, okay, she definitely got in at the right spots because she's very well-versed and she can put it down on paper and make you go like, oh, yeah, especially to somebody like myself who's been at these parties and she's describing You probably people. had all the puzzle pieces. She just put them together. Well, she just, she doesn't, yeah, I mean, she was going in a direction that I didn't, didn't even know existed, obviously, but, I mean, I figured it was happening, but the the fact that there are, you know, entities out there that think they're going to, you know, take over this plant, which we already, you know, we know this is a mission. It's always going to be a mission, but unlike the, you know, five flavors of corn that we're okay with, you know, I mean, none of us are going to be happy with the regulated flavors of the government, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or of the people who, not even the government, just big corp, you know, who have decided to... I think it's going to go back to where seeds are going to be more expensive than the plant because the seeds are going to not be the one, the thing that is monopolized. Right. So... Well, maybe. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, plants will always have their inherent value because it's just less work, of course, but... And certain things, but... It's going to be just, you know, one of those... They can fuck up anything, and of course they're going to fuck that up. You know what I mean? It's going to be like to the point where we're going to be all like, you know, people are going to say, "What the hell are you guys even wasting your time for?" You know, exactly. like, yeah, because that's not weed what you're smoking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah. some bullshit. You know what I mean? So, so well, it's kind of what we went through back in the day when we were smoking the really good stuff, and then the Mexican flooded, and uh, we all looked at it and goes, "What the hell is this?" You know, what year was that? Um, back in the seventies. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, the thing about Mexican weed is, like, it's interesting because when you're there and you see it growing, it's always looking pretty fire. Right. And it's just the processing that was involved. Well, that I've turned always said they don't care about quality. They, they grow it for quantity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they smash it down, they package it so they can ship it. Yeah. But the genetics was always good. I mean, the plant is a beautiful thing. Well, that was it's the thing. So, I say, like, when you grew your own weed and you realize like you know you, you could take if you're in the right climate you could take even mexican you know from mexican seeds and sometimes you know half your weight was seeds so you might as right. well try to do something with it so yeah exactly and a lot of times it was swag but there was always definitely winters and now there's so much you know, it's over it's so you know it's not like they're sitting down there not realizing there's a huge market of 
genetics out there. They're, oh, they're, they're upset they're, with what we're doing up here. Well, yeah. I mean, they're not. They're upset with uh, not being able to sell that. Just, you know, that shitty weed. That's for sure. Well, they're having to. It goes get more, good it genetics goes, and start growing better oh, weed. And they are. And I'm saying this, and I know people who did it in the '90s, and so it's not like they they didn't learn it and then unlearn it. I mean, right. They, they moved ahead with it and did their own thing, and I'm sure they picked up high times and went through it and said, oh, look at this. You know, and they flew over to Amsterdam when they had to or to Canada. and So that's the problem. So now there's not really that. No. It's not the swag it used to be. Yeah, and or we, well, there was a time period before that when there was actually pretty good zones that had their their niche, you know what I mean? Like you go to Oaxaca and get that right. big, long, sativa Oaxacan. Mm-hmm. But now... Who the fuck knows what you're getting? You know, I mean, now you're like, oh, great, it's a Oaxacan power plant. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I got it from, you know, uh, Nirvana seeds. Like, oh, uh-huh. really? <laughs> like, really? You know, so that just yeah. kind of, you know, so that ruins the, the, uh, the local, the local uh, uh, genetic gene pool. Oh, great. So. Uh, it's, I'm surprised that Cheesecake has not contacted us and given us the, the, the whereabouts of her. But it's all right. You it's know, all right. that article right there. What is um, that article? Hold on, wait a minute. What article? You can't ahead. just point at articles oh. and talk about So the teen, is this something we want to read? Teen marijuana uh, use falls to 22-year low. That sounds good. That yeah. Uh, on sounds the, about right. Reading off the cannabis here, it says, uh, teen marijuana use falls to 22-year low. Federal report says... Mm-hmm. Um, Federal report, which is yeah, kind of goes against what Session has been preaching, huh? Oh yeah, well they always they always. So what does it say? What's, what's the, the last time the monthly teen marijuana use was this low was in 1994. Uh, last year, 6.5 percent of adults used marijuana on a monthly basis, according to the latest national survey on drug use and health. Um. Adult use is rising, on the other hand. <laughs> well, we're bringing in the seniors. Yeah, yeah, I for sure. The seniors are waking up oh, yeah. on that end. Because they're able to trade in a whole bag of prescription Absolutely. drugs for it. Yeah, so that's what's going on there. But, uh, but yeah, so it's been uh, the, the, the nation's uh, marijuana use among the nation's uh, 12 to 17-year-olds dropped to the lowest level in more than two decades. So that's probably that's a, that's a good thing. And that's exactly the interesting part too. Is it's exactly what happened in Holland when I was there. That was always the sort of selling point to me to like to other people about explaining about the reality there. It was like, well, actually, the teens here smoke less because it's legal, because it's not cool, right. and only you know like the depressed dorks want to go over there and smoke weed. Which <laughs> <laughs> is like, right. what? They, kind of a weird vibe. It's like, oh yeah, you have to be like real depressed, and then you smoke weed. Like, no. Opposite, it's right? Like, come on now, but uh, that's and that's a smaller number, it's like it's way smaller than here. It's like it was like three to six percent, depending on what like area of Holland, you know. Well, I mean? obviously, with the steps we've made in legalization, it's going down. Those numbers, um, are, are showing that it is going down. So, well, yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, there's kids, I mean, there's people my age who have kids who are you know 19, 20 who are like, whatever, you know what I mean? Because the dad is such a stoner. They're like, forget about it. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I grew up with that. They wanted like, they're all into computers I or whatever. I got a few friends that are like that. They've got kids that just like, 
mm, yeah. I'm not in. Well, that's, I mean, and that is the kind of the rule in a way. It all skips generations, you know. And I wouldn't say it's any kind of golden rule, but it's in, I've seen it in obviousness as far as like unless you're, you know, some people follow when they have good role models. Of course, that's a good thing. But when you have bad role models, you're supposed to kind of like, oh, okay. What Maybe I've I shouldn't do that. The next generation that's getting into it, they're entrepreneurial, and they're using their education to get into the cannabis business, the cannabis industry side of it. What's that? The younger generation. Oh, yeah. Um, the kids, that's what I mean. The kids that are getting into following their, their parents' footsteps, mm-hmm. they've been around it all their life. So they went to college, got a marketing degree or something, and they're, right. they're entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good thing because they're not only creating work for themselves, but they're creating jobs as well. Yes, this is all stuff uh, we're going to be talking about with her. Because did you read the article already before? Uh, I got to a little bit of it. I was about to kind of oh. catch up right now. Oh, okay, it's good. Yep. no, I got okay, good. See, now I'm all like one of those guys. Did you read it? Did you read uh, it? Because you know, when you read something, you're like, finally, I read something. No, but usually, you know, it's. Uh, uh, Especially with cannabis, there's so many like classic. Everybody's like pun pun master, whatever. Right out of the gate, when they when anybody who writes about cannabis, it's always like, I gotta throw like 3,500 puns, right? Over Innuendos here. on stoners and whatever. Yeah, which makes it kind of uh, you know the, the the you know it kind of like uh, deflates it right out of the gate. You know, it's like def- it's like you're, you're hoping for. I mean, of course. Well, who a good wants one, to read a, through a bashing? A good one is okay once in a while because you're like, yeah, that guy's a stoner. You're like, you can just tell it's a good positive right. twist on but, it. But, but most articles that are written, it ends up being a stoner bashing. Well, yeah, and or it's just like, you know, really stupid. Like, it's like, uh, better get the M&Ms. Or, you know, just like a dumb, a dumb uh, stereotype. stereotype. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, you know, just like we were talking about last week, and everybody was like, complaining that we love that show. But I'm saying, just in general, that the fact that the media is now, it's like the hot new thing. It's going to be on everything now. It's going to be like the Netflix the, show, that show, and all those oh, things are going to be like going to be like normal now because people are like, oh, and they have a dispensary down the road. So of course, it's like you know, there's going to be some common threads going on all around. Not not just those shows, but like just I'm sure there's going to be a plethora of them because there already was. A wave of them at that time when it was about the weed gr- started it. Yeah, but and, and, then there was, and then there was the reality, like here, reality there, different shows, this one, that one, you know, show in Colorado, and it was all real, kind of like simple. And then they had Stanley's on there, you know, and they had, you know, and we had all the different stories back right. when they, and, and, and it's fun to watch because you see, like, within two years, they look super dated already, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and then Vice came through and did their coverage, and other people did their coverage. And the thing is, it's like, you know, whenever they film something like that, it's like sometimes they'll do a good job. Usually they they also do the same thing. There's always like, okay, we got to have one ridiculous guy. You know what I mean? So exactly. they're like, okay, there's a ridiculous guy. Boom, got him. <laughs> like, got like five the stereotypical stoner. And, yeah, he's yeah. going to be wearing a suit full of weed leaves and, you know, be really high. Whatever, but the you know, funny the, weed like glasses. Yeah, and not even really be the, like be the guy who actually started smoking two years ago. You know, and you're like, what? That's the guy <laughs> they picked. Jesus. Uh, you know, and uh, then they got to do, you know, then, then other people are going to look at the, the negatives right out of the gate and just be like, we need like, you know, people overdoing it and people passing out and people doing this, you know, and so it just depends on what people are, you know, deciding what they want to, how they want to cover it. And, you know, Colorado's kind of like still the... Shoot. Incubator. Yeah, it's an easy place to come and 
sort of check those things out. And unfortunately, we're not, you know, we're even like not giving them much anymore. You know what I mean? No. There hasn't been, there hasn't really been anything well, uh, because creative. we've been pretty disappointed with the coverage we've gotten to this point. Yeah, it's been pretty. I mean, it's been pretty lame in Colorado as far as like the, the they're the classics when it comes to the news guy talking shit every time you know and you're like really i was there there was like 400 people they said there was three you know right yeah there's like three guys here with science and you're like there's 400 people there you know i mean like they always love to exaggerate the numbers in some ridiculous negative way or or a connotation of or the other way around when it was right when it was a rally against cannabis though there was was thousands of people and there was 12 when it was convenient you know yeah you know we we're used to the. We're used to that. But know. we've. Uh, did you we speed read that? Is that what I saw you do? You were just was, like, I mean, you're an animal, dude. You're an animal. Yeah, I was just kind of perusing through it, but that's some crazy stuff, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. ready to yeah. talk about that. That's yeah, crazy. Exactly. I even took a little few notes. I'm not like. That's a th- funny thing. As I was like, man, Mitch would love this one. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is, this is like a proper. I read it. Yeah, you should. Right? You should have done your homework. Well, Typical, typical guy. Well, you can't, you can't even. Then you can't see it. You're just, just gonna care. look there. Uh, okay, don't worry about it. You can, you can. I can hear it. I'll catch up. You'll catch up. No mustard, please. Um, let's do the shoutouts now because we don't have her here. So if we had, okay. If we, normally, I was gonna go till the four twenty thing. Boom, do a crossover, whatever. Boom. We'll do that now. At around 4.15, we're going to have a call in from our newest sponsor, which but he didn't send any logos to you, did he? Hmm. Double check. Just double check. Nope. No. Okay. Well, either way, we'll get him. I think he's going to call in at 4.15, so we can kind of talk just for five minutes or so. Um, but we'll do him last. Uh, and we will start with New Millennium. Uh, these guys were on the show a couple weeks ago for just absolutely no reason other than snuck out files. It was a, it was a, it was a conspiracy, but at the same time, it was good. <laughs> it was good to see them, but we didn't actually get down and dirty with some of the talks. We have to get them back on the show soon, and we're going to still do that, hopefully get Neil on the show. Come on, man, Neil. We want to see you on the show, bro, or some other. He's got another guy we need to get bring on, too, so we need to get them to... Organize that and put together the little new millennium show. So that'll come up in a couple of weeks. Um, but in general, this is a great nutrient for anybody who's serious and wants to put on, a, you know, proper flour, flavor-wise, also um, obviously growth-wise. But just real nice because of the fact that it's in the divided into seasons, so it makes it really easy for people to kind of figure out where they are in the, in the section of uh, grow at that moment in time because, you know, you, you do and hopefully you understand the seasons and how they work. Um, and you can kind of con- tweak it and control it as far as uh, their, their product decisions, really good. It's like an in-between thing, which you really, like, triggers flowering. and uh, But can also be used in other ways, too, which is nice. Uh, so they have a whole program, which is coming online soon, um, and that'll give you nutrient calculators, things like that, so you can kind of figure out exactly what you need. Not waste time, but great product. Oh, is that somebody? Is that? No, we yeah. don't know. Is that it? Yep. It is it? Yeah. Da-da-da. All right, good. I have to make sure because I don't want to put it on the wrong. I, like, literally, Grow Life is one of those. Oh, I yep. said the name. Uh, That's right. I'll do them next. Let's go. Since we got it. Let's do it. Uh, but with New Millennium, uh, you go to New, new Millennium uh, Nutrients, right? Mm-hmm. 
whole word? Newmillenniumnutrients.com. There you go. See, it's a long, it's a long one. Newmillenniumnutrients.com uh, to see that one. And like I said, it's supposed to be it's a little bit late on this new website, man. Get it together, bro. Hopefully, it's not our computer. It's, uh, I'll check. Right. Could be. You never know. We're like, we're the lamest. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, you can go, uh, yeah, once again, you know, check them out online. And then our latest sponsor, drum rolls. I'll have him call in at 4.15 uh, like he was, like he's going to, because I was thinking originally I was going to have Jessica here and then we're going to do the commercials and then bam, he'd come in. My planning never goes as a as planned, but with Grow Life, this is going to be a good uh, partnership. Just because uh, these guys don't aren't just one company; they represent a whole bunch, and uh, that makes it interesting for us as a show. So we can bring on cool guys from the industry through them, and uh, obviously, uh, kind of collab on different kind of giveaways, and uh, also they're gonna do a lot of the events that we're doing here they want to help out with so made it great just, just make everything a little bit more a little bit better right better all around um but we'll have a joe call in later we, we at the time i told him to so if he's listening to the show now don't worry don't have to jump in it's cool relax bro take a bong hit we're cool around here it looks like the website is growlifeinc.com there you go found it yeah, it's got the same site. It's got the same everything going on. You're, you're good. We didn't, I've done this so many times with people. I've been like, what? I put out the wrong thing. And I'm like, no. Yep. It's the same logo and everything. Oh, good. No, I, I got it from the email, actually. Oh, good. So, yep. There we go. So Industry leaders. Nice. Well, there we go. So it's going to be interesting, like I said, representing different products. And we can kind of highlight those and bring them in with the products they have. Maybe, maybe do some. Side by side for other people who know. Sounds like some good giveaways too. Yeah, always you know, always fun for. I mean, uh, it's nice because a lot of the times, uh, even if it's just like two, three hundred people that like really respond hard, that's a good number of people because that's all you want. You just got you one in every area, you know, one good one in all these little areas, and if you spread it out properly into the right growers that actually kind of give a shit and. I think some of the people that listen to this show give a shit some. Right. Some don't. But a lot do. And then the ones that do uh, appreciate it when it's, and like you know, I don't think everything they do is organic, of course, from this company. But in general, uh, obviously, they love organic. Gadgets, like I told these guys, like, yeah, our guys aren't so gadgety. But, you know, of course, something interesting and new any everybody's into. And, uh, you know, once in a while, we'll have different products on. And if he's got stuff he wants to highlight... Bring it, you know. So, right. So it's cool. So welcome on board, Grow Life. Uh, what Gr- was it, Grow Life? GrowLifeInc.com. Inc. GrowLifeInc.com. GrowLifeInc.com. Okay. So it's programmed into my head. Um, our buddies at Build a Soil. Uh, Jeremy was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He is uh, got to come on soon again because we need to kind of do the with him again. It's, uh, it's just like. Whole episode never even holds it. That's why. That's why uh, back in the day, Mitch could just call him up every time. He's like, "What are we doing?" I'd be like, "I don't know. What are we doing?" He's like, "I don't know." And then all of a sudden, he'd be like, "Call Jeremy!" Like, boom, Jeremy show, <laughs> pow. So we we definitely we definitely had a lot of shows with Jeremy. We broke stuff down. We were like down to the literal like you know, uh, okay, well, this month's just nitrogen, and then the kid would pass out. And those those are good episodes if you haven't watched them before. 
mm. can go back to any of those build a soil episodes from way back in the day and they're really really good um some of the best actually as far as soil science goes and uh we had coot uh, like a couple weeks uh like kind of in a row we had like a jeremy coot boom 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 back to back and uh people who like you know so people who are real soil geeks loving it and uh all having products that they can put out that people just could you know guaranteed at least if they want to start real it was like a real deal and that's right. the thing with, the is all real shit uh literally uh all sorts <laughs> i've heard <laughs> nothing but good stuff about bats. that product oh they, they have it they build any <clears throat> anything you want or they can you know if you don't know what you're doing they can you know obviously recommend consult and uh they can do like a uh, 30,000 bags if you need it and you know bam oh shit so they live but apparently according to shay that they just they, there's one guy who like hand mixes by hand every single one I'm like 30,000 bags this guy's a wow he's a machine he's a monster <laughs> or he's just kidding. he's just a pretend guy he just stands there and does that for a living and then there's a big machine behind him that goes <laughs> and he just has to do it like like symbolically maybe no I don't know I'm just kidding I'm just kidding I think he does I think it's hand literally as it says handmade hand bagged crazy so Man. anyway buildasoil.com uh, is a way to check them out online and it's 855-877-SOIL if you want to call them and uh, the old fashioned way depending, I don't know depends where you live right now you might not be able to do either it's crazy out there oh man it, what, did you hear about the, did you hear about the, the uh, earthquake today yeah Mexico yeah. I was like well, what is going on it is like we'll go, yeah it was now, 8 point something on the Richter huh? so it's terrible because pretty big the more crazy it gets, then I feel like the more the religious right kind of gets all like, yeah, you see, it's crazy, biblical stuff, bro, man, told you it was going to happen. It's like, oh, my God, like, you're going like, to like take responsibility but, for it yeah. or something like that. It's like, yeah, yeah, you, you're going to take credit, take responsibility, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, uh, exactly. I don't know if you uh, did that, but it's a great one to... Uh, kind of like manifest I'm sure somebody's looking up I'm sure there's connecting the dots between all sorts of bullshit right now because it's getting kind of it's getting spooky the way everything is going Uh I mean the fires the earthquakes the hurricanes wow usually usually it's like I used to blame it always on communication getting higher and higher and people being able to Tell, talk about each other. Hey, there's a fire over here. Fire over there. Fire, fire, fire. Oh, look, there's 200 fires. Like, you know, 100 years ago, there was like 200 fires, but nobody could communicate. So they'd be like, they just burn and nobody ever, you know what I mean? Didn't even go to them and they just did their shit. The only way people know is like what we but, go through in Denver right now with all the smoke of, breathing. Speaking of doing their shit <laughs> and always doing it right. Incredibles, they announced a huge announcement the other day that they're now available all over the fucking place. This, mm. The list is getting huger and huger. Uh, Going Wow, they already announced it. Bam, there it is. So, all those states that just went by, which I couldn't really read really quick enough, uh, are now added into the. I've seen seen California, Nevada, Colorado. California, Nevada, that was already happening, but now they're available coming up in Oregon, New Mexico, and something else. And uh, it's coming. Okay, Colorado, California, Nevada, and they're getting ready for Oregon, Illinois, Arizona, Michigan, and Puerto Rico. Bam, and I think they just announced that that happened. That's happening. That's happening in 2018. Yes. So that's all going down. 
we could finally say it, states. We I, we barely knew what we were talking about when it was three. We were like, yeah, I think it's these guys, but I'm not sure, maybe, but it is official. I don't have to, like, guess anymore. It's great. No guessing. They actually are going to be in a shitload of states, which is awesome for them. Uh, Some and of the only commercial edibles I trust. We, we know here in Colorado that they're the most consistent, and they have uh, expanded their menu tremendous tremendously tell you tremendously uh but uh, they also have extracts from in-house extracts that are pretty awesome real awesome and uh they can process for you if you uh, i don't know if they still do that or not but yeah i guess they do because they may have the yellow they still do the yellow label right so yep then they must be uh if you want to check out online you can go to iloveincredibles.com find a store or check out what we were just talking about individually product wise and uh, but you can always trust these guys because they are like I said most consistent which is the most important part and also with all their edibles they have labels on the actual pieces so as you break them up you still know how much is there so you don't get like oh man I ate too much which is I don't know I think kind of hard to do these days but go to sleep yeah you just you know don't worry about it don't worry about it Let's eat a thousand milligrams, and you're really done. Mm-hmm. And our friend Joey Diaz eats five thousand milligrams. He may has these gummies made yeah. especially for him. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds uh, about right for somebody who continuously eats it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course, seeds are now. Seeds are now. Seeds are now. And. Nobody's coming down the stairs, right? Or they not? No, I thought so. But I did too. You got spooked. It's because it's it's we're doing a haunted house out here soon. Yeah. Uh, C2Now.com if you want to check out the best in American genetics. And um, if you can also check out their Seeds of Holic site, which you link to that one, and get onto the auction sites where they have all sorts of uh, last packs and lost packs and things you can't Ooh. find and yeah those are interesting ones and charities of course all sorts of cool things on that side but from seeds here now you can also pick up from 35 plus breeders um direct from the breeder you know this uh, as far as you know in their packaging no no repackaging no pick top threes none of that stuff none of those none of that malarkey it's right. all it's all you know what you want you get it if not you're not getting it because it's not on the menu. <laughs> and sites real quick and fast, so now it doesn't get all jammed up and mess up where it makes people think they get bought something, but two guys tried to buy it, and that was the old world where things were slow and didn't make sense. Now this stuff's on point. Bam, you can't. You say you want it, it's out of the menu. Bam, nobody buys it. Especially with the auction sites. Those were a pain in the ass before. They had to really figure it out because people be like, Nailing it, it's insane. Putting all those Autobots on them and stuff. Right. Oh, uh, the twenty Autobots, but ah, they all Autobots. What's going on? But you know what I mean. Uh, Looks like it's all straightforward on this site. All sorts of specials. We're gonna have the uh, James Bean Man on the scene in a little bit to break up uh, our other show, probably for just a minute. Uh, and uh, we'll have him talk about his seeds, man. Seeds, bro. All the specials. 
I don't know if he's doing the $98 special still, but he was yes. last week. He I've is. Seen that. I can't I read, you want me to read the specials? Oh, okay, real quick. Yeah, I might yeah, as well. Let's read some specials here. Uh, $98 specials. We're back. Yep. Well, still ha- happening, I should say. Okay, yeah. Crazy ninety-eight eighty-eight sale. All Crockett, Ethos, and BOG. Uh, exotic packs also ninety-eight eighty-eight, and several archive strains. Ninety-eight eighty-eight, and then we have Mosca's ten-year anniversary special. Special buy two Mosca packs and receive a special release fun-sized pack of Mosca gear. We got uh, La Plata special, two packs of La Plata. Get one La Plata tester free. Mm. And your card special: spend two hundred fifty, get Golden Coast gift. Spend six hundred, get Mike Mycotech gift as well as a Golden Coast gift. Very nice. Um, and nice. all that, seedsherenow.com. Check them out. Um, and if you get somebody who's... Because a lot of times I see people online asking, where do I go? It's just like, and it's funny. Like, within two or three answers, it's Seeds Here Now. Boom. Have you heard of anything about this new stuff? I, I seen somebody that had this uh, Acapulco Gold. Oh, what's that new stuff? Well, I mean, <laughs> I thought it was an old lost strain. I mean, I hadn't yeah. seen it in forever. Well, and then like all saying, sudden, that's like saying Maui Waui or something like that. Well, or, yeah. It ain't been around in a long time. And some kid had it, and it was like dab. He made dabs out of it. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> no. I think, yeah, one guy had one seed, and then he grew it, and then his son took the whole thing out and turned it into live fucking squished it. That's it. And it was all full of seeds. I'm making it up. Right now. I'm making up a story. That's what would happen though. If you're like, dude, you just killed my liquid one. I don't know. Acapulco Gold. It's not I, new, but I, I mean, I've I just seen it new oh, now coming out. Yeah, probably, or at least they're claiming it. To probably me. some swag company like we've seen a lot of. There's a lot right. Of, there's That's a lot what of, I was yeah. afraid of. Yeah, there's a whole lot of want to bring all those heirloom strains back, but I don't think anyone really has those genetics. I call it if they do, they're <laughs> holding them pretty tight. I'm sure. Yeah. Friend of mine asked me, "Is this I mean, real?" You, you I can always check with Bodie. You, you, can always, you can always check with Bodie's stuff where he'll bring. He actually goes there, and you know, at least, even if it might be interbred with something else that he doesn't know about, but he at least goes there and kind of hand selects stuff wherever, you, wherever right. you, mostly wherever you see his stuff. I mean, he might have traded a few things here and there, but for the most part, if it says the name of a place, it's a place that he went to, and then it makes it a little bit more at least authentic. Can, uh, yeah. yeah, and that's where <clears throat> that's where at least you get the unique part of it all. You know, the Oaxacas. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they used to put out some good stuff in Oaxaca Valley. Yeah, it's funny too because it's one of the few places that I remember uh, seeing and kind of being curious about why it was so wispy, wispy, and then being told later and then going like, oh, okay, it's cool. And that was way before I was ever growing it. I was like, I was like, I was 12 or something like that. And I was 13. <laughs> I was like, huh, okay. Because I was like, man, that doesn't really do... Because it was like, take a big old thing and break it down and take all the leaves out and all the stems and seeds. And by the time you're done, you're like... Got two took, joints. Took a half ounce to make two... <laughs> yeah, to make two yeah. joints and a half or something. I know, I've an been old, An old style joint, too. So yeah. Not a, not like a proper joint. One proper joint. Right. <laughs> two, Get two little bitty ones or one proper joint. Yep. Been there, done that, man. So, uh, let's see, what time is it now? Okay, she's going to call in five minutes anyway, so 
That's good. So yeah, if you haven't read the article yet, if you click on a thing, you'll see this article, and it's like not that long. You might be able to pull it off and still listen to the show, possibly, or at least get a couple, couple of, couple paragraphs in. Um, and then, yeah. So let me see with Mowgli. I make sure, I'll make sure he calls in a little bit later. I don't know if it'll be Mowgli or one of the other guys from the from Phylos, but right on. Should be pretty cool. And um, at you know about a half an hour, right before the four twenty thing, we're gonna touch base with um, uh, our friend from uh, Grow Life show, and he's gonna. Give us an update quickly, just about, you know, a bit more than the website, but also, uh, you know, see if he's going to be able to. Well, we're going to have, we also, because Shailene, of course, is working with them, and Darren and this other guy, I can't remember his name now, so that's classic me. Uh-huh. Here we go. There she is. Hey there. Is, is that uh, Amanda? Adam? Oh, who's that? <laughs> This is Brett from last week. How you doing? Oh, hey, Brett. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, this is like uh, kind of karma. Just as I'm about to call you about a subject, you started to talk about it. Uh, uh, this see, is very interesting. It's a, it's okay, well, it's a mental connection. I'm from New York originally, and that's uh, why you hear me talking fast. Oh, so. I know. Oh, I know. I know. We all, we uh, all, we all are a little quick when we're from New York. I'm, I'm the same. I'm a little excited also right now because... I could talk to you for three hours straight right now about just subjects you've been talking about, but I just want to give you a quick little history. Um, first thing I should tell everybody is I read these two books back in 74 by uh, Starks and I guess Clark, Marijuana Potency and uh, Marijuana Alchemy, and these books talk about uh, Colombian weed, Thai weed, weed that was tested from the government, all the percentages of THC, I think the highest one is 10 or 11 percent. And these are the finest of the finest weeds. But that's not why I'm calling you. I lived in Jamaica, Orange Hill, for 10 years, from 1989 to 97 or 8. And I brought SSS Seeds, Super Sativa Seed Company Seeds, Stinky Pinky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been listening to what you've been talking about and some of your guests, and I, I don't mean to, you know, knock anybody down, but people have to realize that when they're talking about land race, it's almost impossible unless, oh, you were from the late 70s or the early 80s, mm-hmm. had seed stock from then. Right. And I spent a lot of time in Amsterdam in 74, 84, and 95 when I met you. Right. And in 84, there was every kind of weed from Colombian to Brazilian to Thai, but it was all commercial grade. So yes, mm. those were land race, but they were the lower quality ones. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't the Santa Martas and the Punta Roja Reds and all these exotic weeds that were batches from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And something you said, Adam, stuck out to me. What was that? You said, you said that in 81, the best weed you ever smoked was some Thai. Mm-hmm. I know that Thai like the back of my hand. 
It's called Eagle Tie. It came in in cans. We had it regularly. I was very fortunate to live 15 miles from Kennedy Airport. And between Kennedy Airport and the Brooklyn Navy Yard and uh, 100 ships coming in a week from Maine to uh, the eastern Long Island, we had varieties that uh, were unbelievable. It was a supermarket of quality. In high school, and I hate to say this, I've been on this path since 72 straight, a connoisseur. And I don't mean to brag, but I was fortunate enough to see things and smoke things that put you into a place. And as you said uh, last week, how are we going to ever know if these are the real seeds? Mm -hmm. You hit it on the head. I can remember the spiciness. I get flashes sometimes of the tastes and the highs. See, we need to, and it's we need, impossible. You, you need to donate your head to science and somehow magically hook it up to some sort of machine that'll be like the Terpinator 5000 or something. It'll be like available. people it'll put, 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 we'll, your, put your nose near the weed and you'll be like the thing, the head will sniff and they'll be like, thank God this guy lived back then. We have him. He's the guy. Well, you know, so that's the way it's going to be. You are right. <laughs> and I wanted to say something else. You talked about the watered down of Jamaican genetics. Mm -hmm. So I was there from. 89, and there were almost no Dutch seeds. In, I lived in Westmoreland, right. Orange Hill. Sure. Everyone knows me. I built four homes there. I'm not bullshitting. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember some original seeds still when I got there, few and far between. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody where the best Jamaican seeds came from. Okay, ho I hold on one second. Hold on one second. N now we got Amanda, right? <laughs> Okay. Hey, it's Amanda. Hello. Hey, hey there, one second. I got a caller who's, who's going to finish his story, so just hang in there. You can just uh, kick back and listen for five minutes, you know, 30 minutes while we finish our story. Cause sure, I, sure, sure. He's in mid-story. We got to, like, we gotta, like <laughs> I don't want to cut him too short. All right, so just hang in there. You can listen. So, all right, man. So, Breck, go back. Okay, Adam. So uh, I'm going to just finish up quickly and leave you with this, but yep. I would love to call back on another time. Oh, yeah, for sure, when we, especially when we have more. Making Okay, so when I, I lived in Jamaica, I lived on a property called William Hogg's property. It's very well known. Oh, it's a yeah. multi-thousand acre property that had several air strips on it. I right. did not move there, know that, but they were uh -huh. strips that the planes would come directly from Columbia, 400 miles away, and fuel over. Well, that went on every single day for 10 years, and the, all the seeds... Mm -hmm. Bales left of Colombian red and gold mm -hmm. is what was the first changing of the seeds to the finest quality. I mean, seeds were brought from India, yes, with the slaves, I'll call them. They were indentured slaves a hundred years before. But truly the best strains in Jamaica came from the crossbreeding of Colombian mm -hmm. strains. Yeah, of course. Yes, exactly. No, and, for sure, uh, for sure. So why don't we, uh, we'll, we'll have you call back um, anytime, actually, but uh, I got got my guest in now, so we got to give, give her time. I time. So, but I, I just thanks for calling. Go. Oh, yeah, no, it's you're welcome. It sounds like you're right on point, though. You're right on point, at least. That's cool. So, yeah, oh, man. You had said, that I, I, yeah? you had said on the last thing that I, I had gone to our, uh, Grass Valley and continued this, but mm -hmm. I've been on it for quite a while. I will call back when you have more time. All right, right. Thank you, man. Take care. Bye-bye.
Sorry about that, Amanda. Now we have now we have full no worries. full attention on you. So you got some scoop on another. You can you can you can you can freely use him as a story if you want. No problem. He sounds like a whole story. He sounds Brett, <laughs> Brett sounds like he's got a lot of good stories. So you might if you need to do yeah, some, some a lot of people got a lot of good stories. Some smuggler <laughs> stories you might be able to. So uh, welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Uh, Hello. Uh, thank you. Um, hopefully, a lot of my listeners clicked the link that was on our uh, site to read your actual uh, article that we're going to talk about today. And then I noticed you read a new article in Rolling Stone. So, and, and then you explained that you're actually doing obviously a lot more for them too. So that's it's going to be cool. So people who now have listened to the show will hopefully recognize the name and realize that you got some insight. Which I, that's the reason why I wanted that was happy to have you on the show because when I read the article I was like okay very well put everything you did is like really well put and like you can tell it's written from kind of a little on both sides of the fence you know as far as like understanding kind of your prey a little bit <laughs> as you're cruising around you got you figured it out real good which is uh part of part of the reason uh I thought it would be awesome to get you on so yeah yeah no I yeah, go ahead. I think I try to do like a like a bridge between the cannabis world and the mainstream world, which can, you know, for people who know a lot about cannabis, if you read some of the stuff that I'm oh writing, like in the Rolling God. Stone column. Yeah. Is that you? Am I making those noises? It's huh? you. No, no, it's it's uh, it's another. We got another another in-house guest, but it's cool. Just for sure, she's got a dog, so the dog is gonna, of course, be. The, oh, it's the dog. It's always the dog. Who are you talking to? My guest. Um, my real guest. You were just like yeah, a initial. You know, you're supposed to be my like initial guest. Now you're my post guest. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Amanda. You have to stay. Oh, post. You're gonna have to stay semi quiet during this. Semi. Once you get the headphones on, you'll understand. Okay. Not, not you. Not you, of course. I'm talking to... I haven't shown, like, exceptional I got the two loud... I got the two people who are, like, gonna ready to get rowdy and want to get party, but we're not... We were like, we're like, all right, guys, uh, I'm holding them back. I'm really I'm sad really I'm not there in person. I, I know, right? It would have been... A, <laughs> Look how he I haven't us said a word. Oh, they're unsavory. Yeah, and get your big, 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 ugly bag off my table, too, miss... Every time people want to advertise for, like, Safeway garbage bags on my bag. Uh, no, this is... This get is, it. Get if, it you notice, if you notice, I've he's got this to the white label. Yeah, don't don't talk don't, about I it. I won't even talk about it. Uh-oh. The crap he's drinking. <laughs> All right, Amanda, let's get <laughs> back to the. See, now I've already had three in a row. Four. This, this is a classic stoner show right here. Oh goodness! Isn't it? Isn't it? Cause, so, classic. So as oh, you, but I'm so, so much happier on the pot show. I did like an NPR. I did like an NPR interview this morning, and I was like, oh. "This is fun," but I really want to talk to the cannabis people. <laughs> right. Right. How did that? How? how that? The NPR people are like. The, the NPR people are like. So, uh, are there medical uses for marijuana? <laughs> right, right. You want to get like, over that? Oh my God, you guys are really behind. Yeah, You're really behind. So, so for for <laughs> our listeners and, and and the people actually in the studio and stuff, a little background on. Um, so you're originally a New Yorker or East Coaster or something like that, or where are you from originally? Yeah, I grew up in New York. Uh-huh. I've been in L- I'm from New York. I've been in LA like eight years. Okay. Uh, I've written, started writing about cannabis for LA Weekly several years back. Then I was writing a lot at um, BuzzFeed, uh, and now I do a column for Rolling Stone. I did this big piece for GQ, working yeah. with a couple other people, yeah. stuff like that. Cool. And then the, on the GQ article, how long did you kind of like do any? How long before you kind of immersed yourself into it? Did you get a little background, or who? How did you like? Who helped you kind of steer you into the right people? Because well, I mean, so I met Malgly. Uh-huh. Um, I met Malgly at the at the big Vegas conference last November, mm-hmm. um, and then I got GQ on board 
in December, and then I started going really deep on the whole thing, like January, February, March, and then sort of went went nuts on the you know reporting for a couple months. Sure. So, yeah. which, so which shows did you end up going to? Did you go to a couple different ones, or because? I think, where did we meet? We, we met on one of the shows. I'm trying to think. You and I totally met. You want to hear something else? Okay, so yeah. Malcolm and I totally met at, like, a, like in that presidential suite at the Rio, which, like, always has different parties going on. And I swear to God, you and I met in that same suite. Might but I want to say different party, <laughs> different year. Okay, that might make sense. That's the way it is there a lot of times. Or it's, like, different floor or something. Like, oh, you're the one. Oh, that was the other floor. I know. Well, but you know that they're not doing it. They're not doing it at the Rio this year. It's at the convention center. So it might be really, like, diffuse and weird, and not everybody will be staying at the same hotel. That's another whole um, yeah. weird can of worms, which I'm like, wait a minute. Are they actually putting, like, a halt to, like, the idea of endorsing cannabis and, and bringing it in wholeheartedly? Because, like, who the hell wants to? What casino wouldn't be better without weed? You know what I mean? It's just like, even if it was in a designated <laughs> designated wing, you know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, you got to go to that wing that's the farthest way. Yeah, well, you know, it's and like, have every have, room it's just the same really well thing ventilated. what's happening in Nevada with the distributors, you know? It's like they have these deals with the alcohol people, and exactly. the alcohol people have been there forever. And, like, this is the whole problem in every place. When they legalize cannabis, the people who have already been in power forever are like, oh, well, uh, I'll, I'll get in on that. And then the people exactly. who have been working with cannabis forever are like, um, no, you won't. What are you talking about? Like, we are the cannabis people. You can't just come in and learn the plant in, like, five seconds. So, yeah, no, that's, I mean, you know, there's really, I mean, the casinos run Vegas. They yeah. try to. Well, it's also, the, it's also the transportation companies and all that. They have that. That's the thing is they have it all. The alcohol transportation part is, like, key to running that town so they're just thinking like well we already have it all the channels open ready you know and but the problem is that none right. of those casinos want to even touch it you know what i mean they're all just freaking freaked out about the whole federal thing and you're like all right someone has to have some balls there because you'd figure like all these billionaires and and casino owners and bullshit would like well, just think all the like little failing place just take one shit hole exactly take one shit hole and parent it all weed and see if it works which we know right which right. right we know circus, it will. circus. Exactly. Stand up. Yeah, there you go. Casino. Yeah. Is and that still as bad as it was go. when I saw the Grateful Dead there in 1989 and I'm 90? pretty sure it's as it's bad. worse. Oh. I'm pretty sure it's as did, bad. Did they just leave all the wooks there after Jerry Garcia died? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but in general, it is... Still an old roach. <laughs> it, is, it is definitely like crazy that they would like even question... I don't even know why they're making a big deal over it, but it's just kind of like... Uh, it's weird because it's the same shit we've been waiting, you know, dealing with kind of all the time. And that's the thing about the the, the article which I, I liked, which was uh, we'll get we'll get the into the article a little bit. But one of the things I liked a lot was uh, you know your use of the word uh, code switcher, which was like a great new term to me. Which I like when I get new, like when someone tells yeah. me something that I haven't heard and it makes sense. It's not lame. <laughs> you know, it didn't have four twenty. <laughs> it didn't have four twenty, and it mixed up somehow. It'd be like. Really, like, is that what you guys just heard of? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like yeah. as as things get really, uh, you know, predictable, especially in this, uh, like we were talking about earlier, when new when when news is like all innuendos and it's always the same, and you listen to it and you're like, this is so lame and reporting right here. This is like. You know, oh, it's, right. a, it's a weed show, so we got to talk about you know Cheetos, and we got to talk about something stupid. Right. And they're in the back, and they're all like, right. "That's the only sh- part of the news <laughs> that they're actually like wrote. The rest of it is all like kind of normal news." And then they're like, "Oh, this is great!" Right, and it's 
it's so frustrating when you read articles in like the New York Times or the Atlantic or like whatever, and mm-hmm. it's just like so wrong because you have these journalists that are on the East Coast mm-hmm. who like don't really know anything about legal weed, and they report things like they think it's news, and it's like that's not that's a totally skewed version of what's happening. Like you got one press release from one bullshit company, right. and you think that what they're saying is true. Have you and, not like, read the Westward in the Denver Post? Yeah, well, we have like you yeah, know, well, and the issues yeah. are so, and the issues are so different in different cities. You know, like we're in Colorado, obviously, and Denver's uh, right. not a, by any means uh, efficient. It's like it's efficient in the sense of like there's definitely it brought the price down and made everybody kind of like go, ooh, this kind of sucks, and it's a lot of work. And there's kind of <laughs> it's not as it's not as glamorous as it was a few years ago, but it is. You know, there's people mm. making money and people are dealing with it or whatever. But it's also like. There's no scene here. There's no like. There's no good. Like the vibe is like only only thing that goes on here is Red Rocks. It's like okay, Red Rocks is really cool. That's great. Everyone goes there and pretends yeah. like that's like you know every week everywhere else, but it's not. And then you go everywhere else and it's kind of like eh, we're not allowed to do this. We're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to. Do L.A. is going to be ridiculous because people are so. Nobody follows any rules or any rules at all. There, <laughs> oh you know? my god, <laughs> LA is such a mess. It's oh a jungle. God. It's a it's jungle. It's such a mess here. So I mean, you'll have endless stories there. <laughs> you'll have endless stories there as far as cannabis related. That's one good thing about your industry, being in this industry and being cannabis known as a cannabis, uh, you know, journalist in a sense. Um, but so the explain to me the code switcher uh, idea and the three different and the three different yeah. Uh, types so the of code switcher, you know, I've been you know, in following and covering the industry for like four or five years or something, spending a lot of, you know, time with a lot of people in uh, cannabis. And, you know, you sort of get the range of people that are involved, right? And there's like people who just like straight up used to be drug dealers and have been doing this forever and people who live, you know, off grid in NorCal and stuff like that in the Emerald Triangle. And then there's all these like suits and everybody's like annoyed at the suits and the Wall Street guys and the private equity guys and they're like, they don't want to touch the plant and they just want some like, you know, bullshit like turnkey solution and like we're going to, you know, get these licenses in these states where you got to have a million dollars in escrow just to get the license and then, even more you know, there's there's like three doctors recommending pot in the whole state and so like nobody's even got a recommendation and those people are losing money away. And then I sort of started to notice that there were these like people in between who were just so, who were just like very successful. It was like they understood how to move between a conversation that was pretty, you know, black market, you know, mm-hmm. how are we going to get around this? How are we going to like do this? And then also could like sit down in a room with the guys uh, in suits and like maybe get them to give them money or at least get respect or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've, I've talked to people that are in this like outlaw category that I'm calling, which, you know, isn't supposed to be a negative designation. I've had people call themselves that to me, but like, you know, somebody who, Oh, I, up, I totally you know, agree with Alba. I agree with Alba. She's an Alba. Like, I, I consider like, myself one as well. Like, <laughs> We're all happy with Alba. Those of us who consider <laughs> ourselves outlaws look down on the people who don't. Right, right. Right, great, great. Wonderful. Like, we so still have our own... Be, I'm not insulting anyone. No, no, no. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still fucking honor amongst thieves, man. I wear that badge proudly, honestly. I got ejected from Red Rocks last fucking week. Totally. And like you could get like the government might be like, oh, well, if you used to be a criminal, that means you're not trustworthy. But like, guess what? Like when you have nothing guaranteeing your business deal, like a contract or law or whatever, something like that, like you have to be trustworthy. So a lot of those people, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe for your, yourselves included are like really good, honest 
easy to deal with people because that's how they've had to be when you're dealing with this black market situation. But so anyway, there are these people that are like halfway in between. I mean, and they can talk to both sides. And that's sort of what code switching is. I feel like code mm-hmm. switching, I'm pretty sure the origin of that is sort of has, has sort of a racial connotation or like you're... Maybe you're like an immigrant or something like that, and like you're at home, you're talking to your parents who speak like one language in school, and you're talking another language. (laughs) But you know, it's not even it's code switching specifically refers to the ability to sort of like change how you're talking based on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there was. Yeah, well, that's how well, no, that's based on how much money you're getting paid. That's a big difference. That's politics. Yeah, but that's still that's exactly the same thing. Changing what you're saying based on who you're talking to. Politicians, lobbyists, yeah, so it's like carpet baggers. We have oh, all of sure. those in Colorado. Yeah, we're we're in yeah, but that could be a business advantage. You know, like I have you know great sources that I really love who sort of are um, outlaws, and I've heard about their ex- you know their experiences like sitting down in sort of a corporate boardroom situation trying to get money and like. It's, it's even though they're great at business, they're really smart, they're really good at growing cannabis, you know, they've got the best genetics, they're great at what they do, they don't know how to, like, put on the right kind of suit and, like, chat about the latest article in the New Yorker and, like, have a sort of, like, this sort of weird... This, like, Actually, we do, but we get this perception length. that no, we don't. We do. We definitely right. do. It's do. this perception from people Lots who people aren't do. like us, who are intimidated by us, who want to push us out. That's what's really going on. For sure. Well, they want For to sure. change. But I do what think we that there like is right. like the a, appearance a, of the a, industry. A type of person. I had to cut my hair there to is be accepted. Like, so. Yeah, and that's. I mean, this is just like cultural stuff. And so basically, I think there are these people in the middle who mostly got involved in cannabis like during the recession because I feel like there was this huge wave of people when the recession happened who were like, well, why don't I just try to get involved in legal weed? Mm -hmm. And I think because those people aren't necessarily as grounded in, you know, know, we've seen that the the culture. We've we've seen that time and time again here with uh, the combination between the grower uh, who's, you know, got passion doesn't have any money, but grows 10 lights in his basement and then has the sugar daddy <laughs> kind of guy who thinks he's going to be a, the next big pot guy. And he puts all his money in this kid, and then this kid never did anything that big. And then they go through all sorts of hoops and deals and, and just right. crash and burn. You know what I mean? It's like we watched it go like so <laughs> many right. times. Yeah. We're like, oh, Watch my God. Through a lot of money. Yeah. And, it's, yes. you know, it's, it's, still it's, are. It's, I, none of this is like, these are super generalizations. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions to every rule. There are people who don't fit into categories. You know, but it's more like here's a framework for this conversation that mostly has to do with like an appetite for risk. Well, like yeah, how much and also you're talking you to, you're to talking and you're talking about people that are like claiming to be in the industry too, which is like, and and I, and I think you got it kind of right because there is that you know there is definitely the the people like ourselves who you know smoked and grew weed when it was you know obviously not legal and maybe hoping it would be one day. But we still and, listened to NPR. <laughs> we definitely listen mm-hmm, to NPR. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. <laughs> I don't believe any media anymore. But, I'm uh, just saying, like, like the whole stereotype that NPR is square and we're fucking I old. Listen, but I, like, yeah. I trimmed weed in 2003 while listening to fucking stories on NPR. I'm sure. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. No, and those cultures like integrate with each other for sure. And there's exactly it's not like the oh, stereotype and, is and not the, and the, and real. And the classic and the classic example back in the day for I always told people is just like, you know, if you put like all different age group people in the room and you let them get drunk 
it gets weird, you know. What I mean? <laughs> like it's like you might you <laughs> might have the one cool old guy who get turns cooler when he gets drunk, but usually it just get weird, you know what I mean? Right. But when you give him <laughs> yeah, when you, when you smoke a, weed, <laughs> when you have a bunch of people smoking weed, it gets this weird like kind of stable thing where like all of a sudden it's just like people are you know genuinely interested in what they're hearing. They're actually like involved in what they're doing. People are tripping out because they're smoking with a seventy year old guy or something like that. I've had that. When I was a kid, and like fifteen, you're 16. not seventy. You barely look fifty. I know. I'm getting close, though. I'm getting close. Um, but, <laughs> but, no, uh, totally. I used to go to a like a cannabis social lounge in LA that was like just the craziest. Oh, I bet intersection of all ages and races, especially in LA. You know, just this mm-hmm. really diverse population of people who used to just hang out there at all hours, and you know, LA sort of made it difficult for them to survive. But um, Right. I wrote actually I wrote like a like sort of a an elegy to them when they when they closed in like twenty thirteen. But um I can Yeah, I mean and that's why I like can't wait to see what the I can't wait to see what the social use looks like in Denver if it actually turns out to be cool. <laughs> I don't know. It's like we're we're I all. I think that requires some diversity, which Denver may be lacking. Yeah, I mean it's it's one good of point. The, good point. Good point. It's one of the <laughs> it's one of the problems here as far as uh, when it comes to the risk taking and it comes to the whole like trying to like do something that's a workable model it just hasn't really been proven yet because of the the <laughs> The limitations that they put out are just retarded. You know, regulation. Like, it's beyond. Yeah, it's beyond. It, yeah. well, it's, for, it's right? made to not make money. You know what I mean? It's one of those like, okay, well, that's great. Thanks right. for putting me in a position. Right. You have to bring your own. If you have to bring your own, you can't. This just it doesn't make sense. Like, what if you have like an alcohol club where you bring model. your own alcohol? Like, that doesn't make sense. You know, I think it, there it, are it, models that can work, but they're not going to work in a strip mall in a fucking. And, and the problem is, know. and the problem is that you know you need to have an outdoor area, and it can't be indoor because you can't follow all. So things you can vaporize inside. I mean. It is possible. It would just take a like, huge investment, and on top of that, right. uh, very little return until you can kind of come up with a right. And a it's way not like you guys have the weather money. where you can have an outdoor space twenty, you know, the whole year. That's functional. I mean, luck- so. luckily, luckily, we could to a point as long as it's like you put a lot of money into your like overhead heating for the you know those months <laughs> need it, and then you know, misters, misters for the other part. I know? mean, I think what we're talking about here is the exact same problem that faces anybody who wants to enter any aspect of the cannabis industry. Upfront funding, right? Funding, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So, um, right. so on your quest for this article, um, you ended up going to like an infused dinner, right? Um, was that? Yeah, was I went to a couple of infused dinners, but that was yeah. I went to that one. The one that, the one that you wrote about was that was that like a faux faux. Uh, Thing, or was it like a real properly Are you done? Saying P H O or F A U X? I'm saying F A F A U X. I'm saying, I'm saying like uh, uh, it was it like kind of like one of those kind of like because I thought I thought you said in the article like drizzled on top. Is that the is that the actual THC part? Was the drizzling on top of the different foods? Yeah. So, so that. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Hear my eyes roll, roll out roll, there. Eyes roll. I can uh, just see frequent eye, followers I, of the Adam Dunn show just heard my eyes roll. I can see the eyes roll as I as because because you know I'm sitting around. I got I got I got people who are real real <laughs> really on point here. Like what? Wait a minute. No, well, because that of, fucking was, jokers. You guys know Chris Daya, the like herbal chef. That was who did that one. No. No, you're not an herbal chef if it's drizzled on top. I know. You might one. be a chef and you might that's have had some no, no, soil. Yeah. That's cooking yeah, with can food, of butter. I mean, the food was infused. Like the no. the food was infused. Uh-huh. And he does, but he, you know what he does? He does like ten milligram yeah, yeah, he's meals. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you that wasn't. I mean, sampler sure. meals. Well, I mean, at the same time, you can't really yeah, over. You can't do it over. I mean, I had a Thanksgiving dinner one time that was just like nobody remembers anything. We got like you know 
What was it called? Two, hour, <laughs> two and a half hours in. We called that November. Well, yeah. yeah, and also like there, a lot of people at that dinner were non, were okay. like not, were only like semi-regular cannabis users. We oh, definitely no. weren't the kind of people who knew their edible dosage, you know, appropriate amount. And people so, who need to be schooled. You know, if you're dealing with a noob, like ten milligrams is maybe the right amount, but like yeah, yeah. you know, I'm I probably want like twenty five. So like, like that, you know, and really somebody who works out a lot more maybe wants like fifty. So like it's right. kind of hard to like dose a cannabis meal unless like beforehand well, every yeah. person. No, you exactly. figure out how much dosage they should have. Sure, and I mean the thing is, like I said, it's very easy to get accumulative, and if you make good food, and people might want to eat three or four of them, so I just keep don't it small. see any point just keep in the biting f- people who don't really use a lot of cannabis to uh, You know, no, it's, 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 it's yeah. It's, well, the point with that one was like that was like a dinner for investors, so yeah, that was like a lot of Wall Street people. Yeah, you didn't um, want to get them too hammered. Yeah, you would have done well there. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> if integrity been. mattered. Right. Uh, well, no. wait yeah. a minute. Well, they said investors probably along the line. So I went to a bunch of those. I, no I went to a bunch there. of those myself, and it was always like. Uh, I think I summed it you up. Know, it was interesting to see people do their pitch, their pitch, their ideas, and and you know you could see like right. failure rates were like in the high eighties or something like that in my mind. Yeah. Like fail, fail, fail. The you know? burn rate is um, impressive. Over those, over the, so then during this uh, dinner. It was a was it was that in uh, is that where you met? Um, that's not where you met uh, Magui though, right? That was at a dinner. no, no, no. Because I met Magui at a party in Vegas. Okay, that, um, that was a dinner. Well, so oh, well, I'm, I mean, okay. So here's what I'm going to say this. This got cut from the story, but like I went to the store. I went to that dinner to find Nick Pritzker because so he was supposed to be there. This was like part of the thing. Like so, you know, at one point in the article, I'm like, oh, there's like. It might be Sean Parker. He's a billionaire. Because, uh-huh. you know, I was like, I'm looking for a billionaire who's, like, investing right. in cannabis. But it's like, okay, so who are the billionaires that are talking about cannabis? It's Sean Parker. It's Peter Thiel. And it's Pritzker. So, and then, you know, somebody that was planning this dinner was like, and Pritzker is going to be there. And I was like, boom, I'll go. I'll ask Pritzker if he's involved in the patents thing. Maybe he's involved. Uh-huh. And he did not show up. Though he had, like, RSVP'd saying he was going to be there. And the craziest thing, and this was, like, one of the funniest things that I, like, was in, like, an original draft that, like, didn't make it in the final part of the story. But I was, like, outside smoking a joint with some, like, you know, Hollywood guys, like, Hollywood money guys. And this other guy just, like, brush, like, runs in and, like, grabs somebody I'm talking to by the shoulder. And he's like, hey, I was just at the Clippers game with Prisker. And I was like, Prisker. <laughs> turn around and like but like Pritzker's not behind him and it's just like oh he left Pritzker back at the Clippers game and I was like ah curses right well, at least, at least he got the ins- <laughs> well at least he got the inside scoop and didn't waste time uh, waiting around trying to hope he'd show up so no that's a, a, a yeah and of course Pritzker had nothing and, to do with anything but and, I was and for, that was why I went to that dinner <laughs> no that's cool um, so so I, I know that I know Jessica hasn't read it because she didn't do her homework she didn't know about this so <laughs> She's got so bad, she has an excuse. She has I didn't an excuse. either. He but I didn't does know no excuse. No worries. Oh, I'll have follow up for fucking next week. Trust me. <laughs> but yeah. No, it sounds <laughs> no, like joking. an interesting story. I'll read it. Because bottom line is, I'm have sure you, we've I mean, been to you, places and seen exactly. Have you heard about seen. it? Do you want me to give you a summary of give, like what the give, what, give, what's going on? Have you heard about the patent thing? Give a quick yes, summary please. on the patent thing because I'm, I know Jessica does know about it, but at the same time, it's good to let's hear let's hear from the article's point of view so we can. Pick it apart so, and destroy it. No, of course not. <laughs> no. I mean, so so basically there's this, there's this, like, mysterious company that has, like, really no other... This is not, like, a known entity in the cannabis world. There's, like, nothing else affiliated with this company that uh, has obtained already 
three different, you know, federal USPTO utility patents on the cannabis plant. And the patents are very broad. Um, They cover, let's see, one of them is like more than 2% CBD, more than 2% THC. And no mercy. I don't do technology. Hold on. Hold on one sec. Of course he leaves and then he goes nuts. Uh, It's all part of a conspiracy. Hold on. They don't want this to be heard. (laughs) We have a (laughs) Right when the sound guy leaves the room. He's on the payoff from the motherfucking secret company. Come on, everybody knows it. I think think that's what's happening. I think they got a triangulation on you right now. You better get out. Get out. (laughs) Ah, ah, What is playing? <laughs> Probably his computer right there. Just go, go, go. I, I don't know enough about computers. I don't know much. About uh, I'm, fear, I'm go fearful. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. It's gone nuts. Just tell him it's gone nuts. You don't have to. Don't even touch it. Just go and get him. Go yeah. get him. No, don't. Don't look. touch anything don't touch. for fuck's sake. <laughs> Just, if you're looking at it like that, don't touch it. That's how I feel about it. Uh, <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know. We went into nuts for okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this, this giant company. I don't well, know they're where. obviously not giant, or they'd be more visible. No, they're, they're very giant. mysterious. No, right, they're not exactly. Giant. So there's this just—it's just like an LLC. It's uh-huh. like an LLC in California, uh, and nothing. they have these hugely broad patents. And then uh, essentially, Reggie Gaudino at Steep Hill wrote up this memo last summer, um, sort of outlining what was in the patents and sort of saying the issued patents alone. So the, only the two that have been issued at that point, because the third one came in earlier this year, those two patents alone covered at least half the market, would cover half the, the strains on the market currently. Uh, and then if all the patents that they've applied for come through, that would cover the entire market. Like all cannabis would just be patented. And so when someone, when, so Mowgli, this guy who runs this lab in Portland, told me this, I was like, that's wrong. Like a conspiracy theory that maybe isn't true, and I was, you know, a little, a little scared, but like a little bit intrigued and sort of like, let me look into this. And he was like, I think there's like a mysterious billionaire involved. He was like, I think Montel Williams is involved. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Because I had just met him, I didn't really know what the deal was. And then I, I wouldn't went be surprised on that one. It was one, real. But... I know, right? <laughs> but it was real. I went deep on it, and it was super real. And the answers I was getting from people about. You know, the USPTO was like, yeah, you know, just because you can patent something doesn't mean you could sell it legally. It just stops other people from selling it. I was like, what are you, how is the USPTO just like acting like this isn't a Schedule One drug and like, what are we doing? Like, how can one federal agency do something over here while the other federal agency does something over here? And I thought they weren't allowed to it, it was, plants anyways. No, they have great. been able to plant You can. That has been You allowed. can't get a patent through this quick. This 80s. is the part I find completely dubious about the, all of this. Is yeah. that it takes it takes like five to seven years to complete a patent process. Well, the, the right. Mars, and so they've been doing so while, yeah, while, yeah, while yeah, a patent, for a long time. While a patent is in process, you have the ability to cock block your competition, but you basically don't. Right. You don't have, and 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 then again, I mean, I, I've done a lot of research on patent law, not just not just specifically to cannabis, but to food products and to clothing products and to a bunch of different things mm-hmm. over the years. And at this point, patent law is, is like a fucking 
blowjob in a back alley. It's it's over pretty fucking quick. I mean, it's a lot of money and it's over pretty quick. It's 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 not necess- it, It's there, there's almost no enforcement of patent law at this point. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 and. I well, also expensive. and it's I have one more state. final point to make about this, which is going to be a huge cock block on them getting a patent, which is that the U.S. government already holds the patent on the medicinal use of cannabis. So I think right. that's, but that's on, but that's not on the plant; that's on the the molecule on like cannabinoids. I think that that's going to be a huge. I mean, if they're saying it has X amount of this molecule that somebody else already holds a patent on, I think that that's a conflict of interest. And I think that that's going to be a factor. Yeah, I think it's sort of like a, I'm pretty sure there's like a distinction there between cannabis, like the crop as a plant, and then like a pharmaceutical formulation. I'm pretty sure that's what the distinction is between the one that the government has and the one that the company got. The one that the government has is just on THC Delta 9. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be hard to supersede that if, if, they're going to have any product that naturally occurringly has that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but um, definitely these people have these patents and they've been doing, they've been working on them for a long time. And I don't know if you're familiar, are you familiar with Michael Bacchus? I'm familiar with the name, but I've not met this person. Yeah. And he was on, when he was on forums, he would go as his, he was sort of known as Morpheus. um, And he helped co-found Cornerstone in Los Angeles. Um, and essentially he and Mark Lewis, uh, are two of the like patent inventors. So these are sort of the people that were hired to do breeding and be involved with this group that was getting the patents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Bacchus says that he's not working with these people anymore. And my sources indicate to me that that is true. He's like not, you know, part right. of the group anymore. Right. Um, but if you, there's like a, he spoke on a panel a year ago at uh, the State of Marijuana, which is like the thing that Susan Soares does out here. It's like a great like little conference. Um, and there's like video of this online of him talking about how the USPTO kept, this was like this whole process where they would call them and be like, well, we, you need to submit more proof about this and sort of how difficult it was for them to get push the patent through and now, ultimately, you know, they have it. But, but, like, it was like, oh, you need to do this. And he was, like, driving all over the place, trying to, like, gather different plants and different evidence that they had bred what they were saying was something novel. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's going to be... I mean, the thing is, right now, uh, it's it's definitely going to go into this court. I mean, you, you definitely are going to see this more and more. It's not like it's going to be isolated by any means. And everybody's going to think they have kind of... I mean, when you brush, when you do brush uh, broad strokes like these guys do, then you kind of like lock down a lot of people in one way. But the crazy thing about cannabis, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with this, is just the fact that it's like genies out of the bottle already. So there's a lot, yeah. of, there's a lot of, you know, go ahead, have fun, chasing that one down type thing. Uh, you know, when you see certain yeah. things, but people are going to try, of course. I mean, they're going to send out. Right, some and greed makes people crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, and the thing about these patents uh, and the like strength of the protection on these patents James is Ward. it could really take millions <laughs> of fun. dollars and yeah, years to overcome them, you okay. know? Amanda, so, Amanda? like there was an yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I know this is the most interrupted show in the world, but we're going to have a, another no short interruption just because it's 420. We have our James Bean man on the scene who's going to call in at 420. <laughs> no, ma- no matter where he's at, he's going to call us. So, Love um, it. uh, if, if you, I'm calling, it's 420. I'm here. I know, I know. I'm saying, you I just said you were super fucking prompt. I'm amazed. Usually it's 424 <laughs> or something like that. So, if you want to take a quick break, <laughs> well, uh, you can. Uh, we'll be about five minutes, something like that. So, Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, and have you been listening, James, to the show? Are you like kind of half? I mean, the thing is, we are a classic Adam Dunn show uh, setup where we have like I have some questions in front of me, but eh, they barely got asked, you know, because we always end up in uh, some <laughs> crazy direction talking about things that have I'll, nothing. I'll, off on a tangent. Uh, oh yeah, off on a tangent, not a complete. Squirrel. But then we, of course, had the Are guy... Are you blaming my ass? Oh, yeah, well, she I, was... I hear that. I, I thought I she was coming at three to be the first 45 minutes, but then she thought I meant come at 3.45. Whatever. You know, miscommunication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, uh, Mercury Retrograde right now. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. It, 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 it might is. be, because it I is. know it that, is. that it is. I was it talking is. with Hazel over... No, it's... it's oh, no, that. Mercury went direct on Monday. Oh, <laughs> shit. Sorry. We're good? going to come in here with the L.A. news. Oh, Mercury nice. Mercury is direct. <laughs> I thought that was what was causing the earthquakes and everything too. All right, we were Mercury Retrograde, so I can sign. I can sign all these million dollar contracts I have now. Great. But you know what? It's not up to its full speed yet. It'll be up to full speed in like another week or two. So oh, it's so still moving slow. All right, I'll wait. I won't sign anything. <laughs> yeah, we'll okay, so tell us. So tell us, James, what's the hell's going on out there in the world of uh, scrubbing floors? And he he's in the process of moving right now, so he's like. Had his face down on the ground, scrubbing the floor, oh. mumbling to himself. That's a oh, panic, you, you hired somebody. I just, I just, uh, what, I just, just engineered <laughs> a, uh, a a brush to attach the end of my of my power drill. So now I can just use the power drill and use that to scrub everything now. Oh, so, that sounds terrible. <laughs> sounds like something a 15-year-old would do and think he was cool. Like, Dad, look what I did. And you'd be like, oh, my God, dude, I have to redo everything now. So, <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah. so you're moving to so the... this week, uh, we're seasoned in Michigan. You having a smoke-out we're sale? We're in Michigan this week. I know. I think you have a smoke-out sale from Oregon, right? Might as well. Smokey the bear. Um, no, we don't have any smoke here. Oh, good. You're in smoke freeze. No smoke in your, your little square yeah. mile. I got you. <laughs> you set up big fans outside. It's actually, it's actually not from the fires, either. Yeah, it's not from the fires. It's just from the it's amount of, fire. of, uh, fire. of cannabis being consumed yeah. in the local area. Right. So. Oh, yes. I bet. So, it's drifting this way. So, Valley, so tell me what's happening. Applegate Valley will work. Could yeah. go par for could go uh, pound for pound with Humboldt. I think Applegate is pulling out some serious uh, plants down there right now. But uh, this week's season in Michigan. Uh, in two weeks, we got it. We were uh, where we get heading to the, the Boston Freedom Rally. So excited about that. Um, this this week's strain. Oh, this week we saw drops from uh, Crockett got a restock. Um, uh, the, the, the restock coming from Laplata, his new Durangatangs, his new Durango Blues will be on the set next week. Oh, got a I like that. No, I, knew, I thought I knew, it was ready. I, I, saw, I smirked. I, I saw her look. She was like, oh, I like that. You yeah. know, I, li- I like no. it. Um, I mean, it's a big seller. It's huge. So now I know that's the big one. Uh, Durangatang, uh, Alien, uh, the uh, Durango Blues, which of course is Durango uh, OG cross with Alien Blues. Um, I did want to warn everybody too. Uh, Ripper report. Ripper. So start getting be ready. It's, it is ripped timber. I've already heard of two grows uh, that have gotten ripped. Um, we're talking like week five. I mean, it's not. Nobody's going to win from that. The guy who stole it, it's not ready yet. 
the guy who loses it, it definitely wasn't ready yet. So, um, but people that are just in this day and age are just stupid. They don't yeah. know. They just see something and grab it. Oh yeah. So well, some things can look pretty well done. Cam. I'm going to address that in my portion of the show because we're going to talk about my friend's murder trial for those kids who stole unfinished plants from his backyard. Bam! See that? See where that connected? Sweet. See how that segue? But uh, but yeah. So be be, be, be vigilant. Uh, guide your step. We are at that point of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, last but not least, this week's strain of the week is going to be Canna Sohar. Canna Sohar. So Canna Sohar is from CSK. Uh, that's the company our friends. Very sexy. Canasol is going to be. She likes all the names. A, a really, a really nice. They're fun. Who's this from? Of Canatonic, Sour Tsunami, and Harlequin. Oh. Ooh. So, so that's a high a perfect, CBD. Like, five to one, six to one. Five to one, oh, yeah. six so to one. It's like a, a five to one, six to one CBD to THC ratio with upwards of twenty five percent cannabinoids. <laughs> so she smells like cherry and grape fuel turns purple in late flowering. Um, it's a real compact indica. Okay. Finishes about nine weeks and. and and it's really purple. That's that. That's the nice thing. Uh, it turns out beautiful purple. Um, beautiful, beautiful. It's uh, it's a lovely. Beautiful, I love, beautiful. I love it. Nice. Well, he's working with Sunny, and then Sunny started playing around together. So he gets some purple stuff from Sunny. Sunny gets some of the good CBD stuff from Two. Yeah. They get uh, they get, they come up with some some, some can of Silhards. But anyhow, uh, those will be released next week. His mm-hmm. new drop will be on my site. We've got three new ones from him. Can of Silhard. Yep. Powerage, which is the Canisto Hard Male Cross with High Voltage. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, TNT, which is the Canisto Hard Cross with uh, 25 to 1 ACDC. So. Cool, cool. Those are all from 2 or from Sunny? No, those are, what was that from? 2. TSK. That was all TSK. Yeah. Those yeah. Are... Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. All, all really good stuff. It'll all be available. He's, he's, he's really kind of leading it, and I would say by far, right now, as far as CBD breeding goes and, 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 and mailing stuff that he wants, he's got the availability, too. He's got the facilities to run the numbers that he needs to to look for the stuff he wants. Um, and he's just, he's got the, the, the passion. And so uh, he's, he's by far the guy leading the CBD, as far as I know right now. I mean, anything that, I would say by next year, he, he, he finally has something that's less than .03. He's been working on it for a couple of years, and I think, uh, I think he'll get there next year, so. Nice, nice. Um, just sending the right number to our uh, new sponsor, Girl Life, because I think they called my. Yeah, they always call my number because I probably forgot. Yeah, to. It, it, it happens. happens. It happens. It happens. It's very confusing when there's two phone numbers. Ah, here we go. Bam. So, uh, anything else? Last minute, second. Uh, just hang in there for a second. Nope. I'll just All right. Stop by if you're in Michigan. Stop by booth T61. Yep. You'll see our booth. All of our flags. We represent. We've got all 40 breeders on hand. We're on in stock. Uh-huh. So, um, everything on the website this week is, is the Crazy 98 sale, or this month is the Crazy 98 sale. So, uh, all packs of Exotic, Crockett, some Archive, um, Coastal, Golden Coast, all that stuff. 98 bucks a pack. 98. Yeah, so, we, we announced all that for you. Don't you worry. Just listen to the show once, once in a while. But, uh, all right, good to hear, good to hear, <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. See you at the next uh, 420. Yes. Yep. Cool. Peace. Nice. I'm excited for, the, for, for some more Galaxy Talk. Yeah, Thank exactly. You. Exactly. All right. Uh, and uh, on the line, I think we have Darren right now. Is that Darren? Yeah, Darren Harris. Hey, what's going on? So uh, we actually pulled your website, and I was hoping that this is the right one because you know how that goes. So, <laughs> com, right? Is that you? Yeah, that's one of our landing pages, but a better one's going to be growlifeeco.com. That's our uh, e-commerce website. There we go. See, I knew, I knew we learned something right away just by talking to you. Um, so uh, awesome to get you on the show. And what I was explaining to the guys earlier is that 
you guys are representing a bunch of different things, so we were hoping to kind of jump in on different subjects and get you guys on board as much as possible so we can kind of get the most out of most out of the show from you guys sponsoring the show and from us understanding all the nooks and crannies of this giant <coughs> gigantic <laughs> monster that you work for. No, I don't know, I think it's that big of a monster. <laughs> uh, give us a heads up on what you guys do. Yeah, so, you know, we really focus on the supply side of things. Um, you know, w- whether you're a large commercial-scale grower or a, or a small home grower, um, we want to help get all the supplies from dirt, nutrients, soil, uh, pesticides, you name it, uh, into your lap. So mm-hmm. um, one thing that's really taken off with us is our direct commercial program. Um, so, you know, we're really focusing on on servicing these these commercial accounts Mm -hmm. and getting them the best pricing surface uh we've got a concierge service you know anything you need you you give us a call we take care of it we do all the heavy lifting um and we drop products right in your lap right so you so you guys deliver uh nationwide obviously how about worldwide we guys do nationwide correct yeah yeah no worldwide correct yeah we're actually opening uh uh, because we have a lot of 15th we're opening our first retail store up in calgary Okay, so, so that's we, exciting because we have uh, a lot of listeners all over the place. A lot of actually, a lot of UK listeners, um, you know, far, far away lands that want to get some products in their hands. Uh, do you? Uh, so when you say worldwide from Canada, or you mean just to Canada, or are you talking about like worldwide for like all over? Like maybe if somebody wanted to order some, no, obviously not dirt and stuff like that because be kind of stupid to order dirt. From, yeah, cost the, effective. Yeah, be not, cost effective. But as far as Canada and the US, uh-huh. you know. Those are our main markets at this point. I got you. Um, also, so you uh, you guys are doing uh, some trade shows, things like that. Because that was that was kind of the idea. I was going to like hopefully uh, link up with you guys and start putting putting you out there. Uh, yeah, we're you know we'll be at almost every trade show. So nice. um, you so, know, there's an event coming up on next Friday. We'll be in Phoenix, uh, October 12th through 14th. Um, hopefully we'll see you guys out in Cali come the end of the year. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's a, um, that's a guarantee. Yeah. Yep. You know, you got Boston coming up, so we got plans on attending that one as well. Cool. Um, I think I'll, I think I'll actually be in Boston too, so that'd be good. Um, well, that's what I mean. There'd be some great cross promotion, uh, possibilities. And that was kind of the idea. So, uh, after the show, let's get, let's link up and, uh, sort of discuss some of those so we know where we're at and make sure we're, we're promoting each other at the right spots because that's, you know. Yeah, man. Half the time, especially if you get to the trade show and you end up in the corner and nobody's there. Hey, where, where are you? I didn't see you. You know, I was like, well, you just needed one guy like me out there running around dragging him back. Uh, well, cool. Uh, sounds like we're going to have a bunch of other things to talk about in the future, but I've got a busy show. Another call coming in. I think that's actually going to be Phyllis probably calling so, so anyway, let's, uh, we'll, yeah. we already hyped you up in the beginning, but we'll hype you up at the end of the show too, and uh, we'll be talking soon, Darren. Thanks. Yeah, Adam, appreciate you, man. Thanks. Okay, peace. All right, boom. This is a hot, hot day. Amanda, you there? I'm here. Okay, and now I think we have the the call in, so it's going to be kind of crazy. You know, things are going to get weird. All right, <laughs> bring them in. Bring them in. Let's see who are they sent. Who do they send to them in? No, we got it. Or this one won't answer for some reason. I'm clicking uh, on add to group and it won't add. So will not add to group. Unaddable. Hmm. Okay. Oh. So whoever is being sent is like 
Hmm, got some unethical. Just tell him to call back again. Call back on a different name, maybe? I don't know. It's like the cast system. The unaddables. The unaddables. Okay, one more time. Let's see if we got this time. Bloop. Nothing? It's weird. Yeah, it won't let me add it. It's like an old-fashioned landline or something. We got a sad face. We got a sad face on that. All right, so Amanda, do you remember where we were at? Or did you, like, stun her out like I would? There we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we were at um, I think we were at when you were figuring stuff out the guy had a billion they had a billionaire and you knew it and then we kind of like got right, right around that point it got yes. sidetracked now we brought him in yes I mean okay well, now we got somebody on the line we do who do we have on the line now hey good, us, a- yeah? good afternoon this is Jeremy Plum from the Open Cannabis Project oh okay Jeremy, Jeremy. <laughs> is, is that Amanda yes it is hi friends Hey, friend. Good to hear your voice. Nice. Always uh, good to hear your voice. I didn't. I didn't announce everybody <laughs> properly because I didn't know if I knew who was coming, who wasn't. I wasn't sure. I was like, "Yeah, he's coming." I'm like, "I don't know. We'll see." Uh, welcome to the Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show, and uh, glad to hear we were kind of like mid story with Amanda on her on her article, and uh, I think it was probably a great time to bring him in. Right, he was probably right. So, give us a little background on, on you guys, how you guys uh, met. And, we so met I'm through Mowgli. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excuse me. So, so from that first meeting with Mowgli at the, were you at, were you at the meeting with him, or was this just like after the fact when you guys got together and talked about stuff? This is after the fact. GQ paid for me to go to Portland and sort of like check out the Philo's lab and the situation up there. You know, mm-hmm. none of those scenes are in the article, but free trip to Portland, why not? And I sure. uh, met Jeremy. You know, and. I don't know. Jeremy is uh, much more knowledgeable about uh, the, the cannabis plant than I am. So if you want to hear about how serious this patent thing is or might be and is going to be from an actual cultivator who can speak much more intelligently on the subject, well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get a, some we'll, perspective we'll, from Jeremy. Definitely. Um, <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Jeremy. It's awesome. I think uh, all our... Most of our listeners are, are pretty pretty adept, which would be good. So for them, it'll be like, oh, finally, oh, this guy's speaking my language over here. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're doing with this with the project. Wonderful. Uh, first, honored to be on the show. I, I've been a fan for a long time, and oh, many nice. allies have shown up. Thanks for curating the space and allowing for depth, um, especially when we're dealing with issues like genomics and intellectual property. We really do need platforms to do a deeper dive. And, of course, Amanda's piece is really the first time a truly professional journalist has broached the subject. And to me, this has always been sort of on the horizon, and we've been watching developments over the last few years kind of moving in increments toward what are situations I think people who are long-term involved with this space should be really concerned about. And obviously the article does a great job about highlighting some of the ways in which um, the conversation has evolved recently, um, especially beginning with the U.S. Patent and Trade Office, you know, granting utility plant patents. And, of course, there's a history of patents with the USPTO and cannabis uh, well prior to that. But this is a, a really a new beast. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit about the Open Cannabis Project. Um, we are really aspiring to be the single largest resource for defining the public domain in terms of both genotypic and chemotypic data. And the purpose of this is really in vain uh, of the kind of culture, uh, open culture, copyleft, creative commons sort of movement that helps to preserve the heritage of genetic diversity that all of you know, the West Coast and U.S. and international cannabis breeding community and 
people who have long served this plant have worked to create, to really protect the work that has already been authored and, and make sure that for all time people have access to this incredible genetic diversity mm-hmm. and to the extent we can. And that that's really just the core of it. But the way that we do that is by assembling a strategy of defensive intellectual property that essentially defines these things in pretty clear terms and in this publicly accessible database and then in, um, bridges that material with the USPTO and other relevant parties and educates the community about the necessity of doing things like getting your special plants genotyped so that you can actually define them in the public domain while we still have the chance because we don't have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. I, you see the agenda moving pretty rapidly towards the real possibility, whether it's groups that Amanda has cited or other groups coming into this space, of people coming up and hoovering up this kind of incredible uh, repertoire or uh, amount of intellectual property that's been authored by our community and then claiming it as an original invention just because they can afford the really expensive process to you know, bring forward a whole lot of attorneys and um, sort of tell a story that makes it look as if you know, these are sort of novel expressions of the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so a tiny, tiny bit more about, I, I feel like how I stumbled into this might, might help give some context. I, I had the great fortune of finding a really remarkable analytical chemist in Portland named Pat Marshall, who since the mid-90s has been working to characterize the matrix of cannabis in a really rigorous fashion. He was really uh, the most qualified scientist in the space. He'd already had 20 years of experience being the lead uh, water quality control scientist in Portland and had a lot of gas chromatography experience. And as most people probably know, organic chemists, it's not where like a lot of the young science graduates are focusing now. It's a lot more in like microbiology, genomic space, et cetera. Um, So he's a bit of a rare character. And he really was activated, like most of us, based on concerns for patients and for the incredible therapeutic outcomes that cannabis has been providing for people and just knew that there was a lot more to the story than THC and even THC and CBD. So I worked as a producer for the last, really it's been, uh, it's well over two decades now. I've always done, in my own way, small observational studies, dividing rooms into quadrants, trying to sort of find the entire phenotypic expression of what is a huge array of genotypes that I've collected throughout my life and understanding that there was, as soon as I was able to get analytical lab results, a huge array of chemistry that was going on that was related to why people were finding you know, relief with particular cultivars and not others. Right. But more importantly, understanding the distinction between genotype, phenotype, and chemotype. And once this became really clear that even if you have the exact same cutting and are growing in different environments, you'll see a significant range of chemotypes. Right. Um, th- th- this this right. basic insight set me forward to try to, you know, essentially find the most useful therapeutic expressions of minor cannabinoid and terpene profiles in addition to the major cannabinoids. Yeah, Many people have been working on this. Especially if you're looking for those really minute things that you wouldn't really notice as a grower. You, you know, you might notice a certain thing about it you like and you might notice the effects when you actually make edibles or when you do something that's more of a concentrate but when you actually because you have to get it to that level to actually notice it but when you're testing i mean it is a beautiful thing to be able to see like whoa okay there's a tiny little thing here but if we amplify you know there's ways to amplify that and then it makes sense and that's that's kind of the 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 thing exactly looking for 
It, isn't it, though, the, I know that you share this passion. Of course, it's the discovery of a tiny little thing that mm-hmm. looks rare and that you've not seen before mm-hmm. and that you can identify in your own personal experience as a sort of novel expression. That, right. For example, when I first found my uh, the most high beta-osamine peak in a single cultivar, there was a very pronounced effect that I was experiencing whenever I would have this particular uh, Pakistani strain. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was so clear that this was a whole different kind of pharmacology and it was useful for a certain category of patients that I was working with that other cultivars wouldn't be. So in any case, as I I began to accumulate all this data, which he was looking at 64 compounds, I can't find an example of another analytical lab in the U.S. that for this amount of time was looking at that many compounds. And like I visited Israel and uh, Lumiere is arguably the best cannabis chemist I've ever found on the planet in terms of really uh, high-resolution, le- diverse analytes. And now we have people like you know, uh, Dave B. Mary in, in the Technion and uh, Jonathan Page in Canada and a whole variety of scientists that are doing incredibly high-resolution work, but Pat was a unicorn. He was just impassioned and doing this you know, out of the, really uh, that kind of compassionate activist perspective. And in any case... I found a variety of things. For example, in my own garden with Canatonic, a plant many people are familiar with, mm-hmm. a mixed-ratio plant from Resin Seed Company, I, I uh, brought that to Portland and was working with that for a good five years while I had the analytics. I was able to produce in one batch uh, two milligrams per gram of beta-myrcene and a mixed-ratio that was certainly above the 3% THC and CBD that is directly in the center of what uh, that very first utility plant patent uh, described as being an original invention. And so we have this one little bit of data there that illustrates you know, what they have. They did not read or create this. And not to vilify anybody or oversimplify the themes, because there's a lot of complex motivations and possible applications for these technologies, but it's really time for us as a community to sort of move, I think, to the front in terms of priorities of how we can, you know, be custodians to this movement that pre-existed the industry long after we're all gone, that to protect the vital and core resources that really make the folk medicine revolution application okay. of this when, po- possible and probable for the international community. Hey, Jeremy, I got, yes. I got, a, I got a call. I got a, I got a, a elusive call in. I don't know. What it's just it? two. It's two. Wonderful. <laughs> two. What are you doing on the phone? How the hell do I get this show to play at my house? Oh my god! god. <laughs> what a, such a buzzkill. You're, you're such a buzzkill, bro. Hi, two. I mean, I want to hear this, can and, I, and I can't figure this out. It's playing oh. old episodes and stuff. Maybe you should. Oh. It's on. It's like shoot me to iTunes. All kinds of weird stuff. Old season. Yeah, go to live stream. Go to livestream.com. Okay. Cool. It's hard, it's hard out there for a rural Jeez, farmer, you know. Wow, this guy's out in the bush. See, this is what happens. This is what happens. You start to get crazy. You let me. All right. Sorry That's for why interrupting. I, come down here for the I thought it was. Right, I, I thought it was something intelligent, but it was just too. Just be on there. All right. Yeah. All right. Take care. Too. Peace. Listen. Try to figure Later. it out. Livestream.com. All right. Bye. Sorry, guys. Right in the middle of it all. We had the meat, the meat and the potatoes. Uh, all right. So. All right. I know that I know that Jeremy's on point. He knows exactly where he was, just like just like, you know, Amanda he was. was. She was almost. Yes. She had it about <laughs> how much myrcene does it take to remember? So, um, yeah, well, it was two grams. Two grams of myrcene. Was it myrcene or was it something? Else? No, it was uh, something else. Well, what kind of uh, cannabinoid are we talking about? <laughs> we'll that there. is the terpene. Yeah, oh, just, 
Uh, to pick that up, actually, if I may, th- yeah. there's just a few other. Obviously, this is a subject we could spend the next four hours on and not sufficiently express all, all of right. the range. But yeah. I think there's a few important takeaways I really want to distill. Uh, that first, that first patent was, you know, any mixed ratio, so over three percent THC and CBD, the absence of the sedative terpene beta myrcene. So we know that these plants, you know, are statistically improbable, but certainly exist in the proliferated, most genetically diverse plant grown in horticulture, mm-hmm. which is cannabis, and, and that we, we just simply need to document that all of those things do exist. But one quick thing I want to say about patents, mm-hmm. I think most people aren't aware of the three varieties of patents that, you know, now as we move into a, a sort of more mature regulatory market, we're going to encounter and are just a part of our life, whether we like it or not. I mean, of course, there's a knee-jerk response that I think is, every ethical person's reaction to patenting organisms. Right. It's just like, this is evil and it should never be touched. Yeah. And I typically would agree, but a lot of people don't know that the reason we have plant patents was actually to incentivize in, uh, uh, new expressions of seed genetics in the 1930s in the U.S. when we were losing a lot of our domestic diversity of food crops. Mm. And so used right and well... One of the possible meaningful outcomes, especially as we define things like copyleft and open source genetics and a variety of these new important themes, there is a way in which patents can be used in a narrow way to a clonally propagated plant to actually support our breeder community, who we need to do a lot of work over the next decade. Sure. Because now that the industry is going to scale, we have a crop that's you know maybe 80 years behind any other horticultural crop in terms of pathogen yeah. resistance and all it's sorts of exactly 80 out- years. <laughs> it's exactly it's about exactly 80 years <laughs> behind. So. All right, so wait a yeah. minute. I got one more and, caller. And Do I have one more caller that. hanging on? Yes. Here? I have another caller hanging on. Wait a minute. What? Who's calling? Oh, now? good. Yes, who's that? Hey, it's Mowgli. Oh, it's Mowgli. Awesome. I it's guess Mowgli. you're. I guess you're allowed to be on. Mowgli, you're allowed right. to be on here. I guess. Okay. I was just <laughs> ready to be like, you. hey, bro, stop bugging us. My ears were burning. Yeah. Oh, Bring good. <laughs> well, um, so yeah, we were just talking. We were just talking terpenes at this point, as ob- as you expect. Uh, okay, go ahead, Wait. Jeremy. I guess, and then Mowgli, just jump in whenever you feel like it's like you, you can't take it anymore. <laughs> Jeremy's on a roll. <laughs> Jeremy, keep rolling. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Mowgli, I don't know if you caught any of this last bit, but what, one of the things that I'm just trying to convey is that we, as a community, really need to embrace advanced plant breeding, because plant breeding is one of the ways forward for everybody and for us to really eke out an existence in the face of all kinds of challenges in production spaces that mm-hmm. we're going to continue having until we simply have better plants. But one of the ways we can do that is with narrowly applied patents, and that these are you know patents that are granted based on a clonally propagated cultivar that actually is the work of an original and intensive breeding effort. This is in high contrast to the kind of utility plant patent that was granted in Amanda's piece, and that you know it's essentially not original work. That actually is this feels like to me personally a pretty aggressive move to kind of hoover up existing intellectual property, represent that as an original invention, mm-hmm. and then kind of take that out of the ecosystem for all of the people who would work with what is a clearly therapeutic profile and a really ideal plant for people to grow. Hmm. So there are yeah. many kinds of patents. So, some are really broad and onerous. Some are narrow. And then we need to do work to define what the new uncontemplated versions of copyleft, open source, sort of open culture responses, where 
you know, non-commercial use and, and different expressions of genetics that actually incentivize our breeders to do good work who otherwise can't make money because it's incredibly expensive and painful to do huge-scale selections and actually do bulk chemotyping to you know, validate that. And this whole process that's the next level of our therapeutic medicine revolution in cannabis. But, uh, so in any case, not, maybe not all patents are bad, and certainly some of the ones that have been granted think we could make a really strong case do look bad and we really that's why the open canvas project is now full steam ahead and has a really wonderful board of directors and a lot of support including from people that really have parented the open culture movement in technology space and um, a, a lot of elders in our community have come together recognizing that this is a real priority for us to get right because in the, the wrong expressions, if we don't do anything, we'll see, I, I think, some really profound implications going forward that will negatively affect cannabis producers everywhere. Yeah, I want to yeah. jump in here with something. So in 2009 and 2010, I tried to patent my um, edibles products because I saw where the state of Colorado was going with our testing program was that they were going to allow the testing labs here to allow research and development mostly research on products that were submitted for testing without any non-compete agreement or intellectual property protection for developers of products here in our state. And I pretty much freaked out about that. But I was told in 2009 and 2010 and 2011 when I tried to actively patent this that I was not eligible for a patent because cannabis was federally illegal. And then I was told further... Who told you that? Who told me this? Yeah. Pat, yeah, we said it. A patent attorney from the from the from the U.S. Patent Office. Ah, well, a different patent attorney made it happen. Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying maybe I was too far yep. out ahead of the curve in my time. I mean, my goal was not to patent the process of making edibles, but just to patent my own product to protect it from intellectual pro property infringement because the state wouldn't protect the product I was developing here. Mm -hmm. or had developed here way before that was, what it was year? legal. <laughs> that was what year? Well, it start, yeah, I started I the whole might, process in 2009, 2010, and 2011. Right. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> that was She's an outlaw now. She ain't worried about it. The other guys it. started work on their patent. When? What, was, what year did you say? I think, I mean, I think that the work looking back at the actual patent shows breeding as far back as, what, 2011, 2012? Do you guys know? Well, this was all. This all well, definitely so the, the predated that significantly. Was issued in 2012, I think. Oh no, sorry. Wow. It was then they would have 20... had to start applying for it way before that. Wait, was it issued in 2015? But the claims went to 2012. What was the date? Yeah, Jeremy, do you I remember? think it. I think it shows the breeding going that far back. I, yeah, I, I was thinking 2014 or 2015, and I'd have to double check. But so let me just say something super broad here about IP protection and like what what I think is at the heart of the challenge that this issue faces for the, our community and, and, and really for a bunch of other different industries too, is that there's this tension between innovation and control in capitalism. And when you, if you look at the history of patent law and the ways it started and the ways it's evolved, like there are times in history where patents spurred innovation. They, they just did. They made it possible for, for poor people to spend time in their basements and invent things that make money. And they, they drove industries forward faster, and they, and they created the technology that is so mm -hmm. sort of innate to what humans do. And then there are times in history when patent laws 
have just been this crushing barrier to innovation, and they have been a tool for large corporations to just dominate small businesses and individuals. And and right now we see this being replayed in the cannabis industry, which is that the, the plant right now is not ready for the drop in wholesale prices we're about to face. Mm-hmm. The, the thousands of small growers out there are not going to survive with with a plant that was built on these crazy margins that no other industry has. Um, we, our crop losses to pest infestations and plant diseases are, are just too high. Like, it's just not going to work. We need plant breeding. However, so we, so we have to incentivize innovation. Breeders have rarely got paid, effectively. But at the same time, we don't want to rely on a tool that has ceded control of the big corporations so often. And I, I think the real difference between good IP and bad IP, like Jeremy was saying, is good IP protects something that you made. It protects one thing that you made. It doesn't protect a whole huge expensive category. Mm-hmm. Good IP is specific. It protects one thing that you made. And so when you patent a giant category with a quarter of a million dollar patent, you're blocking innovation, and that's not good for, for anybody. Mm-hmm. So that distinction is pretty subtle, but every industry and every community has kind of struggled with this, this tension, and we're just going to have to find a way to thread that needle. Right. Well, I, mean, and I think also I would just... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Can I... Yeah, yeah, I go. just was going to add, because Jeremy spoke so, Jeremy spoke so eloquently earlier about... Uh, essentially sort of coincidentally breeding a plant that had the same cannabinoid and terpene profile as something in the patent. Um, But I also wanted to say that, like, you know, there is a caregiver in Northern California um, who happened to order seeds, the online, that were supposed to be one thing and then turned out to have a lot of THCV in them um, and then uh, gave some seeds and some clones of his THCV plant to Michael Bacchus, the lead patented vendor, uh, and now believes, he and his lawyer believed, that um, those things ended up in one of the patent applications. And so they're trying to, like, talking, negotiate directly. Yeah, I'm talking about Doug, yeah, who's Doug's Varen strain is sort of, you know, well-known <laughs> in certain circles. But um, so, yeah, Doug and his lawyer are trying to get in on one of the biotech institute patents because... Uh, they believe, you know, and this is sort of like a step beyond saying, oh, well, I was able to get that same cannabinoid and terpene profile by breeding something totally different versus like literally there are emails and I've seen the emails. Like mm-hmm. it's clear that he did give this stuff to Michael Bacchus around the exact same time that they were doing the breeding that's documented in the patents that involves Varen strains. So, right. and that, so that's sort of a clear yeah. example of the issue. It's like, that, if if that this pat- started the program after 2010, there's special. no way it wasn't bred by a breeder before that. Somebody who was an outlaw was a breeder before that. that those plants of did course. not exist in a vacuum. thing is overall is spooky. That's right. that and, but this is the thing. Like, it, that like plant might be new, and it might be worthy of protection in some way, but the patents that they're going after protect all the variants. Yeah, it's, it's a broad you know, they, thing. They, they want to say with these new patents, right. I was We've got a variant plant. Like We're going to protect Coke all the THCV plants ever. Mm. You know, what Doug would have done is he would have protected Doug's variant. Right. right. He wouldn't have tried to make a land grab for all the, the 
TV plants in the world. Well, it's the same thing that happened in the bubble bag story with, you know, one guy. What invents, was that guy? Yeah, I remember. That. Uh, yeah, Petrie and yeah. Or, or you know, and, uh, Reinhardt and those guys, and they basically, you know, they just had a drawing of like a screen, water, hash. Anything like that is ours, you know what I mean? So I was just like, really? I don't think that's a little too broad, you know what I mean? So at that point, yeah. everything that ever had water, hash, and we, you know that combination was was had to pay him a royalty. And he went to court. He won actually, which is crazy. So yeah, but you well. don't now. You everybody's using solvents. Hooray! That's the broadness that that is to me is what else can they broaden? What other can they get into and broaden the patent and take control over? Well, like, um, that's that's the spooky end that I'm seeing, that I'm hearing out of all this, the blanketness. You know, like you were saying, the one strain, the guy would have protected his own thing. Now they're just going after it all. Mm. What else mm-hmm. can they do with that? Um, it's To me, that's, that's the amazing thing is – how broad they allowed that to happen and now it can grow if they allow this to happen what's next is it getting into our food supply or corn or let's find out from Mowgli and Son (laughs) Mowgli and crew here (laughs) 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 let me me say one thing about those broad let me say two things about those broad Mm patents one is that there's two issues here right one is stepping on prior art and I think the open cannabis project can basically make sure that people don't aren't able to step on prior art. I mean, that's just illegal, even by the government standards. But the other issue is these overbroad patents, these utility patents. And I got to say something about the Biotech Institute and the group behind them. So it's not like they were Monsanto coming in. Like the, the people behind that group, some of them, half of them, were old school people from the cannabis community, some of the best breeders that we've ever had. And in fact, some of them were really good people. Like I, I, I consider myself friends with some of them. And to be honest, I feel really conflicted about this article because they, you know, they, they were breeders for years and they never got paid. And then someone said to them, this is how things work in the real world. Those utility patents, that's how, that's how agriculture works. That's what the U.S. Patent Office allows. There are, there are plant patents on other kinds of plants that, like so there's some oilseed plants that make omega-3 fatty acids. And there are patents on those plants that don't protect the plants. They protect any plant that makes omega-3 fatty acids like that. That kind of broad patent is what the government has allowed. And so these guys, yeah, it's fucked up, but these guys were just doing business as the government has sanctioned it. They got the financial backing, and it seemed like a smart business move. And I don't know that they were bad people. Our real problem here is with the government. I mean, I don't know everybody involved in that group. I have no idea about what's good and what's evil. But the real problem here and the real reason why it's, it's, so, it's going to be so difficult to fight is that this is how the USPTO works. So I, I spent a lot of time talking to people who 
thought they could lobby the USPTO to do things differently for cannabis. But they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Like, if we want things to go differently in this industry, it's going to have to be a community-based effort where we say, this is not how we want to roll. And, yeah, the law lets you go like this. And Big Ag has always operated like this with these categorical patents. But that is terrible for this industry, and we know that, and we're not going to do that. So, and that, that's a, a pretty intense decision for a new industry to make. So I have a question. By your projections, would this mean that, say, perhaps an organic lavender farmer, farmer who's making lavender extracts, but by the default that that also has a, a terpene that's in cannabis, is that person going to experience some sort of agricultural cock blockery, or is it just going to be specifically to cannabis plants? Yeah, you, I, I very much doubt you can get a patent that is so broad that it covers multiple plant, multiple plant species. But I would imagine that if we dug deep, we could find that there are utility patents on lavender. But we're seeing cover, people pulling um, specific... You know, linalool right. at above 4% or something like that. We're seeing people specifically pull some terpenes from other plants to blend with cannabis of products. Course, of course. And well, so where does that... Well, the, the, the ones that are already out there, like limonene, the basic, the basic off-the-shelf ones that they, they couldn't reverse. Well, you know what they, I'm they, saying? That kind of, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Know what you're saying. Do you get what we're saying at all, guys? That if they're, if yeah, they're I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I do. I think this, this is a little bit. We don't know oh, yeah? where it's going to end. Like we don't know what their rulings will be. We don't know what's too broad. We don't know what, you know, when you talk to patent lawyers. As, as you just pointed out, like a few years ago, they thought you couldn't get a patent on cannabis. I had a really smart lawyer who told me the same thing. But and I mean, I had actually and, reached and, out directly to, to the say, patent like, office, right? I but you weren't trying to do the truth strange. is, we're like, we're not going to. No, I was trying to basically patent the difference between coke and Pepsi. You know, I just wanted to what perfect my specific formula. I missed the last part. What's that about Coca-Cola? I just said that I that when I had attempted to make a patent on my product, I wasn't really trying to patent the concept of an edible. I was trying to patent the difference between, say, Coke and Pepsi because, you know, those things have a, a very specific, very protective food patent. And that's what I had been well, try, trying to pursue and was told this was federally not open to me, and then I had just tried to pursue a, uh, a federal patent for my extraction method. Um, and that also was, I was told that any... I mean, basically, this was directly between myself and the Denver Patent Office in 2010 in a direct call when I couldn't find an attorney who would help me with it because back then, even the weed attorneys were like, it's just going to cost too much money. You don't have enough money. And I was like, well, I'm going to pursue this on my own. I'll do the, I'll do the paperwork myself um, because I saw where the, right. where the regulation in the state was going. And All right. But so you know, you know why you couldn't get it then? Probably it's because you tried to do it yourself. So funny story about the G, about the patent in that article, right? About the Biotech Institute patent. When I found out about those patents, at first I dismissed them. They just seemed so broad and unenforceable and preposterous. I, I just figured they were another one of these crazy patents that got through for no good reason and mm -hmm. wouldn't hold up. Mm -hmm. And as I gradually realized that that's how agriculture works and that you can get patents like this and they are enforced... I started to get more and more nervous, and then I went, I had this like weird few days where I stayed up really late every night, 
Googling. I, I, basically, I was like, I have to find the best plant patent attorney in the world because I don't understand this shit and no one I talk to understands. I'm going to find the best plant patent attorney in the entire world and get them to explain this to me because it's so complicated. And I stayed up for nights. And then finally, I was like, oh, my God, here's the guy. He's the best plant patent attorney in the entire world. I look like in it globally. I was like, this is the guy. He's the best. And I called him on the phone and he answered the phone. And he was like, oh, yeah, I wrote that patent. Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, you know. So that, that's how you get a patent like that is you pay for that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is, it's the ugly truth of the whole industry. And that's what the great news that's, is that's, this administration is cutting all the budgets for all of the uh, different <laughs> enforcement agencies and everything else. So we won't have to worry about anyone being out there on the, on the feet, on the streets, actually enforcing this on anybody. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, and before we throw in the towel on civilization, although there may be some cost of concern currently, um, I do think this all underlines the importance of the work of the OCT. But I, I really think there is an unbelievable, unique opportunity at the beginning of this industry to do our very damnedest as a community to come together and get as much information into an activated public domain as possible. And to be able do to I do that children? both through genotype. Yeah. Oh, sorry, what was that? I, I just hear children. And you're in your head. You're dreaming. Okay. There would be someone in the <laughs> background. Well, and this, is, this is actually, uh, are we not doing this for the children who have yet to arrive? <laughs> there is a future industry. There's actually something that's coming after we're all long, and long gone. But I believe that this is one of those really rare opportunities in history where our actions, which don't have to be uh, utterly dramatic, but through the vehicle of the Open Cannabis Project can funnel a meaningful impact forward so that the children really do have something to look forward to and they're not just all beholden to a single corporation in order to access any meaningful expression of this plant. Um, many of which have not been validated. We've not even begun to tap the infinite potential of you know, therapeutic prowess that cannabis offers, of course. And, and it's really important to share all this data. So yeah. I know that we also need support, and I just have to do the, uh, the shameless plug here for, we have a website, but we're currently overhauling the website. And the truth is the OCP is a nonprofit that really needs support. And, and specifically, we need financial contributions or people who want to partner with this organization because they understand the implications of this issue. We also need growers and breeders to make sure that their work is documented in genotype or chemotype form, and that we also need aggregate chemotype data and a variety of intellectual property support. And so the reality is, if anybody who's listening has those sort of resources, please don't hesitate to go to the website, drop an email. Um, we now have a director of operations named Beth, who is just a remarkable, heroic woman who will make sure that uh, things are actually being responded to, and not like we're, we're really going to make a go of this. Not like the typical slot yeah. man, then, 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 you'll never get back. We, yeah. I rolled a joint on that, spilled my coffee on it. I, I will admit, it. I am culpable for <laughs> some sloth-like behavior. Out of, I, there yeah. there yeah. have been some misresponses. You mean driving around with an envelope in your purse for two weeks? Yeah, like, yeah. that has a stamp on it and everything? Oh, that's your, that's your stuff? I'm just saying. Yeah, well, that's I don't think not I, all, they're not all on point, that's for sure. You're not all on point, that's for sure. I'm on point. <laughs> from time to I'm on the fucking cusp of competent right fucking here right there right on the edge <laughs> <laughs> you're radiating competence I actually am 
Wait till you listen to where I talk about my shit. term. Agricultural cock blockery. Now it's in the. That's like a, the new term. I agricultural cock blockery. Wait till you listen you'll, to my part of the happens. show, and and you'll learn some shit. And not just about agricultural <laughs> cock blockery, but general <laughs> cock blockery, and why we have bigger things to fight than just this p- couple of patents. That there's bigger problems going on so, in our society but, to fix. But listen, speaking of agricultural cock blockery. No, no, I am not. I am not bar- to blame for this foolishness, okay, 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 which okay. can only mean barriers <laughs> to pollination, right? Well, I actually was going to ask how you guys felt about genetic drift from hemp hemp pollen out on the... Because, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, in Colorado, that's becoming already an issue down in the southern part of the state. Yeah, well, yeah. Move, man. Yeah, in Oregon, too. Yeah. In Oregon, too, it's, it's, it's really... I mean, we, have, we now have um, hemp farmers that are feminizing, or they're planting only female hemp plants. Right. Because... They don't want to piss off the medical growers nearby. I think I think but, the, but so, the possibility of hermaphrodism is quite. Yeah, I mean, but viable. at least they're trying. At least they're trying. At least they're trying for sure. But uh, you know, definitely, uh, if you're in the wrong place, and you know, ten miles is just like guaranteed you're going to get seated. But this is, is where it, I, I but recommend it, that. But above uh, and beyond that, it just sometimes depends. Like, read, travel. read Ken Kesey's 1992 book Sailor Song, and he has a part in there where it's about this like Jamaican dude who wants to grow some cannabis plants just for sentimental purposes because the government has released a pollen that has basically rendered all plants impotent and uh, no, no THC, ineffective, I guess is the word I'm is this a dream? This is a dream story. What? Oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's in a 1992 novel from Ken Kesey who oh, okay. also wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah. Nest and any a, number of other fucking... Fiction. fiction. Yes, but... Okay. Well, that's, with some don't give them, don't give there are ideas. accuracies within it don't give them ideas that's, that, that's like how I always look at it like man we, we could get knocked out so quick to just say smart about it and be like oh yeah here you go I'm just saying that I never off. thought about that inactivating pollen yeah, that's this, th- it's, it's in it's in that book. I'm just saying, I, I you know, I read, and, you know, I, I have no one to talk about these things with. So I'm hoping that somewhere out there, there's another person who's well, read that book and Ken, would like to discuss it. We like Ken Kesey, so yeah, we'll, we'll give you awesome. the, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I think that dude was tripping balls and had some fucking insights about the future. Of course he was, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Of course he was. Of course he did. No, but in, uh, <laughs> we have a we have another caller. Okay, we have another caller. See, somebody's read that fucking book. They were on it. They were inspired. Well, Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. We have you on the line. Hey. Who's that? It's two again. I got a question. Oh, my God. What's going on? I actually got some data now that I heard what you guys are talking about. Oh, yeah? What's going on? Oh, no, I'm just uh, going to ask my question about uh, okay, good. long chain DNA versus short chain DNA testing, and it's going to be like up to that. And then also, we are within six miles of some dickhead blowing off pollen up top and we're trying to stop him all the rec growers and uh the hemp growers in the neighborhood are trying to put forth a little effort to get this guy to stop so we might do we might like actually pass legislation in our area to oh. uh make only female hemp plants be grown mm, that'll be your little and is that your racket now is that what you're doing you're like this is my racket i get him feminized <laughs> you know you know you know what you should do man you should convince the hemp growers that female hemp plants make more CBD. Like, they're all growing for CBD now, you know? They should be growing... I mean, any decent per- yeah, hemp no, plant at this point is growing fields of ACDC. So, th- it's well, really... ACDC test oh, hot. Colorado yeah, changed their testing standards. At the end. Higher or lower? 
No, I was well, out so there. In Oregon, for that. people, are, people are harvesting a little bit early, so they keep it under point. Yeah, you, you can actually you manipulate your of course, the ratio by harvesting early. Well, that's the what the point is that I, hemp farmers should be growing females anyway. There's no point for them to be growing males. Once they wise well, up no, no, about that, I will interject that there are people who are breeding for seed because there isn't seed to be grown from. Hmm. And there's also a situation where the state changed our testing law for our hemp, where now it's not testing of the whole, like, from the, from the dirt to the top of the crown of the plant and mashed all together. They're just testing just no, the No, they only fl- take the heady nuggets. Yes, and they're just taking just the flower from the top, so they're concentrating the level of THC by just taking that and not taking the stems, the seeds, and the other part that doesn't contain as much THC. Right. And this is actually causing the, st- the, the state agriculture department has been on a rampage of destroying hemp fields mm. and ha- her harvesting early before you get your seeds, which you can sell because that's what people are wanting to get for the marketplace. Yeah, but if you go to seed, you automatically get a spike at that point. Yes, and so that's... Right. This is, okay, I so believe I made my point. another reason why we need serious plant breeders working hard. I mean, right. Well, and I'm working at the legislative level to understand this. To to 20% CBD plants that are under 0.3% THC. If this was a mature industry, every farmer out there would have that right now. I got him. Yeah, too. It's all your fault, pretty much. I'm blaming (laughs) two. Somebody get on it. Well, no, because to get a certified seed in the country, you got to like run it certain tests, and you have to make it inside. You're not allowed to actually make seeds outside. Uh, because of cross pollination stuff that goes on, so you have to have like a really nice uh, uh, greenhouse or like indoor room with proper filters and stuff, so you can. And then you have to run them so many times in so many places to prove that it won't turn hot. It won't really test hot. So the, the problem we have in Colorado is that the higher altitude you grow something at, the hotter it grows. Yeah, UP. Yeah. And that's proof because you live at like nine thousand feet. Whoa. And you have fire, fire him. <laughs> um, but no, no, no. So, like, technically, we should all be under point zero something because then we can easily, you know, say that it's not going to. No, in the pass. state of Colorado, it's point zero zero three. Summer, they're like, well, it's point three. It's point so, three. if you go under point zero something, point then you know you're pretty much legit. Because we're trying to grow this stuff as cannabis, not as cannabis, but like we would with cannabis with nutrients and stuff. Because a lot of people that grow hemp don't. Um, actually feed it the same as we would cannabis you know they just grow it out like in a field and stuff so now we're going to try and run it to where it could get hot and keep testing it to see if it comes through right so you're basically going to ride the razor's edge good job good job too as you well, we have this, we have like we have labs feed the hell out of it this is exactly rich cannabinoids and one of my categories of issues that i came to talk about was that the state is working on its research um research licensing and they actually had the meeting for that last week, and I went to that. So we can talk I about that. I might get one myself. All right, we're going to get that. We're so what get, we're, we're experiencing, to, we're getting, though, is that there's no law right, stating whether you're growing. Let's hear from these callers so that they're not, not just, like, yeah, two. using up their phone data. Two, you can two we're going to call and talk to you later, bro. Come on now. We got, There's a big, needy baby out there in the woods. We have three guests on the line now. Three plus you. All right. We're all going to talk at once. Yeah, exactly. The funny thing is that we got <laughs> hemp growers now buying thousands of plant sex tests because they're literally planting from seed and get, getting rid of all the males, yeah. growing entire feeds. You know, yeah, we had to do it at a field in uh, Nevada, and it was like a 
pretty long process. Took over a week, and it was just like back and forth, back and forth, just with training people have to keep looking, get on their knees, crawl around, look at the. You know, it was like Jesus Christ, but it was it was uh, it was worth it in the end. I mean, there was a few obviously in there, and they had to get taken out a little later, but for the most part, most got taken out, and it was just like, damn, that's like adding so much. We literally hired half the town because there was only 500 people in the town, so it was 250 people doing it. It was just like, there you go. There's there's some fucking job yeah, for Yeah, that's you. crazy. You know? And it was, but a question it, for Mogley. Uh, yes. In your sex test, yes. do they detect uh, hermaphroditic tendencies too, or do they just detect males and females? Just males and fem- females. Hermaphrodites are females. If you stress them out... So even in a sex test, if you have some crappy seeds... And you test them out and they come back females with hermaphrodites, then you're still uh, going to be growing stuff that's dropping pollen on the, the feminized hemp. Yes, that is right. There's always a danger that one of your females will harm, either because it's really shitty or because you made it uncomfortable. I can't help you. Well, yeah. I mean, well, sometimes <laughs> it's you know what I mean? Best answer of the show. Not Some plants are just intersexual, you know what I mean? Like, you got some shit hemp seeds, like the, some uh, Eastern Bloc Russian shit, and it's still, you know, you grow them up and they start flowering, and next thing you know, you're just nuts and butts all over the place. <laughs> oh, that man. was hermaphroditic flowers, by the way. Yeah, nuts and butts all over nuts the place. Nuts and butts all over the place leads straight uh, to agricultural cock block. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, cock blockery. No nuts and butts, well, see, please. the problem is the agriculture, uh, the Department of Agriculture has no uh, say in how uh, what seeds you start. They just want under point three. So if you start that industrial hemp that's going to run, uh, you know, uh, intersexual from the start, then, you know, like I, I'm looking at a record in my backyard right now, and these guys have a petition going against the guy like five miles away because he's just blowing pollen of like the shittiest hemp ever, you know? Wait, do you guys know what I just realized? What's up? I'm going to put on every one of those little plant sex test cards, I'm going to put the tagline, this is agricultural cock blockery. Ah. Oh, my God, this is genius. <laughs> I that want a dollar. Cock blockery. I'll give you all You've got to pay Jessica some royalties on that. Yeah. I will. My Let's genius go. is you often underappreciated. Yeah. You know? Nice. Help, help me fund my a project a little bit. Right there. Oh, yeah. Everyone will know right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cockbuck like, oh, yeah. Cock clean little, like, right there. Like, put it in quotes. More <laughs> verbal cockbuckery from America's Cheesecake Lady. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not that I'm not also, hot. It's just that I'm fucking abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Uh, another question for Mago. Like, you guys, you guys do short chain DNA, right? Short chain DNA sampling, you know, when you do the the galaxy, it's not long chain uh, testing. Am I correct in that uh, wordage? Probably not. I'm not familiar <laughs> with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I thought there was like an easy way to. Do, so when you guys do the DNA testing, is it like complete DNA testing? Oh, we do. So like when a, you do sequence, so maybe you're talking about when you do sequencing, you can do um, short read sequencing or long read sequencing. Um, but that is that is for assembling full genomes. You, there's no reason to do a long read for genotyping. That's just when you're doing an entire genome. So we do we do short read sequencing across thousands of unique sites in the genome, and then that creates like a genomic barcode for each plant. So that's how we do. But do you think it. the long, long sequence ones are going to uh, be more applicable to a uh, patent than the short ones? Like, are you getting a more full? 
so database yeah, but, of information but, from so, the strain when you do the long one? So we also published our entire genome where we did long read sequencing. That's the kind of thing that you're going to do on one plant, not thousands. Um, but sequence data, let me just say this loud and clear. Sequence data is really, really good for keeping other people from patenting your plants. But it is a dumb investment if you think it's going to help you get a patent on your plant. Right. I see what you're saying. That's good advice. But can people take, like, so we get your, so I send some stuff to Philo, Philo, and you, uh, you run it, and then it shows that pattern, then it, does that offer some sort of protection for people like myself who are, you know, interested in, you know, making new strains and stuff like that? So, again, like, getting the genetic identity of your plant, and especially if you make it public through the Open Cannabis Project, which we'll do if you let us gives you protection because it keeps other people from patenting your stuff. If you want to patent your stuff yourself, call a lawyer. That's not really what our product is for. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the thing is, for, I think the whole way that we always used to kind of cover our asses a little bit was, you know, like as a, you know, in the simpler times, it was just like, well, get printed or something. You know what I mean? You get, at least you get printed, you can show a date on the thing. Well, like and, the Gutenberg Bible level and, of printing? Yeah, uh, you know, just, just somewhere, just somewhere, uh, somewhere <laughs> that's recognized. Do you mean like a photocopy or a, a recognized real mimeograph. thing that actually got published at one point? See, that's the kind of protection that matters. Protection where it's like, I made this, mm-hmm. I get credit, mm-hmm. don't patent it, don't steal it. Right. That's not the same as getting a patent. Right. That's just like... No, that was just the, well, that, that was copyright. That, I mean, that was like circling the wagon, basically. Do you, what you view did. your you were project just kind of covering every, every base you could? Similar to an uh, there, open there medical. A, a specific. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask: Do you view your what you're offering as similar to like an open genetic medical trial, where people can say, you know, hey, I've had this genetic testing. For instance, a, a good friend of mine who's a patient that I've been working with, but we've also been good friends for many years, um, has gone through the whole breast cancer treatment, and she had the genetic testing and submitted and agreed to be participant in having her um, ancestry and DNA um, as part of this breast cancer gene research. And so do you view what you're doing as somewhat similar to that, where it's an open sourcing project, or is it more of so a... It's, it's, it's bo- so those two things are separate, and, but it's both, right? I mean, the reason why we make all of our data public is because it's, it's going to stop people from patenting stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you want protection on your stuff, it'll stop people from patenting your stuff. Um, but also because making all that data public, just like your friend did, it just speeds up science. Because cannabis science is so far behind, so people need access to all that data to move things forward. And those are two separate things, but making stuff open accomplishes both of them, we hope. Well, are you asking way, if this Matt will be was a really... using the Yes. It sounded like you were asking this, whether Magley was using the genetic data for his own purposes, which he No, I, I was not. I mean, I wasn't asking, okay. was he using it like... I mean, I don't think you can 3D program out the equivalent of it or anything, but, um, you know, I don't... I don't. Well, I mean, you, I think you heard her say what she is. is. Right. What do you mean I'm so using it for my own purposes? Com- huh? She was saying <laughs> something about someone did, like, a genetic... Her friend, her friend or family member did some sort of genetic test, and they were using the genetic data for some kind of breast cancer research, and it sounded like... 
in the same, in a similar way, Madley's like gathering all this genetic data and it's like being put in the public domain, but he's also using the genetics in it. He's also using the genetic data to breed better cannabis or come up with what breeding better cannabis would look like. Well, so that's, so not, that's actually not true. That's, that's actually okay. not true. Right. So all making right. the <laughs> genetic data public will let all scientists who are interested move forward. And to the extent that that data is valuable, and will help us figure out how cannabis is related and learn stuff. Like, yeah, our scientists are looking at it all the time so we can learn stuff. We're just making sure that every scientist in the world can also look at it. To the extent that it's valuable for breeding, actually the way we do the test it doesn't pull in the right kind of data. So when he was asking about short read sequencing versus yeah. long read sequencing, yeah, long. Like we look at 3,000 sites across the genome. That gives you a barcode that uniquely identifies a plant. When you sequence a plant, to try to generate data that will help with breeding, you need millions of sites. So, so I have a question. We don't do that. Unless I'm mistaken, what you're talking about is this thing that I've seen on a couple people's Facebook that are heavy-duty breeders that might be participating in this, which is showing the a galaxies. plant, and then it's showing the plants that it may or may not be related to. Is that what we're talking about? The galaxy, here? the movable guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the galaxy. Okay, and so essentially... Um, you know, while, while I'm somewhat familiar with the project, I haven't geeked out on it maybe at the level of some of the listeners of this program because I'm working on a lot of pretty geek serious... Geek out. Well, geek, well, no, it's geek, not that. Geek. It's I'm working on... I'm geeked out pretty deeply on the legislative side of things, trying to fix things so patients can yeah, exercise. She's busy. I, I am working busy? on trying to make... Okay. Um, You're busy, that's okay. I'm trying to make sure that patients in Colorado can still use their constitutional rights so that we have a groundwork for all patients in the nation to, to establish their that their constitutional rights are not usurped by a recreational market, but, you know. Okay, fine. You know, forget about well, the galaxy. For what a does she know? What do does she know? But I, but, I, but in spite <laughs> of all that, I do familiarize myself with what's going on, especially with breeders that I like and respect. And so I've seen what's, what you're talking about to some extent, and what you're saying is you're using this to kind of, I mean, are you gathering empirical data where somebody says, you know, hey, I'm submitting this strain for this testing and this, um, you know, this record-keeping purpose, but are you also saying, and I'm an epilepsy patient, and I'm using this for this data, and this is, you know, my results or my, um, my needs that I'm meeting, or are we gathering any of that data in, a, in addition to just so, the galaxy? So That's really what I'm not, asking. We're not. We're not doing that. We should be doing that, and we have partners, and we know people who are trying to collect patient-side data and then look at our data that we've dumped into the public domain and try to pair it up. And I think that's going to be really valuable for figuring out what varieties work for what patients. Would it but be possible we're not doing for, that for ourselves. past submittees to be able to just add a note to each one and say, you know, effective yeah, yeah. for, we, so effective we, we for? We are creating tools so, so past submittees can Because um, that's where I think that this data would be. And stories about the varieties. I mean, one thing I should be clear about is that the real reason why people submit samples uh, isn't probably to advance science. And it, <laughs> it probably isn't even because they want to stop people from patenting their strain. The real reason why people do it is because they want to be able to say to their customers, this is lemon hay. Mm -hmm. It really fucking <laughs> is. Right. It's so simple. Uh, <laughs> you had so me and you gonna, lost uh, me. I was excited about science. Of, <laughs> I was going to give you a bunch of land races that have been picked from hand around the regional you know, around the whole world, and then uh, use those as like a something to bounce off with all these milkshake strains, as James calls them. <laughs> Good. 
great. Um, and that would that would help, right? I mean, honestly, you want a base. Oh yeah. So right now we're working on a we're working on a land race only galaxy because right now the land races are so different than all the poly hybrid shit right. that they're off in their own sector of the galaxy because they're they're really different and all the poly hybrid stuff is so similar in some ways. The so we're working on a land race system. only galaxy that Rob Clark has been driving us towards, where you can actually see the different geographical regions start to pop out and cluster together. Right. So, yeah, the more stuff we have like that, absolutely, the better. Cool. I'll get to <laughs> do your thing. Sounds like it's going to be a fun Fucking sight. Geek out. <laughs> Two husbands rolling steady through the whole Middle Eastern, all kinds of weird shit going. Yeah, please, please do. Please do. It, it, well, cool. We're still trying to tell this story about how cannabis evolved, that because we've been so inundated with all of this modern data, it's hard. It's hard to tease that story out. It, it really is. Yeah, no. The, the, the case is worse every day. Like, you hard, don't see like, like a relations between polyhybrids and um, and uh, you don't see like them leading back to their uh, what you know land race genetics. You, so we we do, but but we can't tease it out right because. I I hate looking at the real data because the real data is just the real data. I can't do anything <laughs> to it. But um, that's like so a man. All the land races cluster together because they're Science. they're they're so they they the polyhybrids are so similar that the clustering algorithms make them all cluster together, and so then all the Colombian and all the Afghan and all the Thai are in their own cluster, kind of to the side. Mm-hmm. So we can see which ones in the polyhybrid cloud are closest to those, but. You know, I had hoped that all of the land races would be sort of on the outside of the galaxy, and you'd be able to see, even in the polyhybrid cloud, which ones are on the Thai side and which ones are on the Colombian side. And it's not like that yet. And I, I'm hoping we just don't have enough data. And then when, when we do have enough data, it will all snap into focus a little more. Right. Cool. Right on. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm out. I'm going to go listen to this. Uh, uh-huh. You guys have a wonderful day. All right. Later, too. Thanks, I don't have anything else to say. I'll talk to you guys soon. Later. <laughs> all right. Go back to hemp growing. Now, Geek out. He's got his, all his stuff's going to be half hemp now, so we know that. Just <laughs> just by any, any seeds you get from two's weed, oh. bunk. Bunk. Such, <laughs> uh, such a dick. So anyway, um, we're going to try to like wrap you guys up in the next few minutes because I know you guys have been on the phone for a while. And uh, i got to also have the last... Rant from this woman here. So I got so much. Hey, you got to make the time for yeah. the last rant. Oh, yeah, exactly. Got to keep, so gotta keep, gotta keep that time for the last rant. So, um, uh, as the article sort of said in the end, we're still like kind of left here. It was a little open ended at the end, huh? I mean, this, Amanda. Open ended. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, well, you know, we got sort of more information at the end from uh, the lawyers of this guy, Sean Setagod. It sort of seems like. Potentially, there's some large multinational public company that has some kind of interest in cannabis intellectual property that he's involved in. And who's that? Who could that be? That's very strange and a little scary. Right. I always thought, well, first I thought Soros right away. I was like, Soros got to be Soros. But no, then again, didn't seem to go in that direction. Obviously, we would have thought of that billionaire. <laughs> that's, that's the one billionaire that always comes to mind when it's weed and any kind of weird, it, weird, could we go either direction, you know, he's, he seems to be that kind of guy who's back on every side, uh, 
Like all yeah, this, that's exactly what he does. Like he all this, every side. back all the sides, Antifa one day, and the way I win, that's what he figures. Right, or give him all the same T-shirts, I mean, just different T-shirts, and go. How Ooh. much more? He's he's he can't leave and live long enough to spend the money he's already got. <laughs> oh, but he'll figure out a way. No. <laughs> well, one one thing I'd love to offer is just that mm-hmm. even if it's this group or groups that have yet to be contemplated. There's clearly a threat and a real opportunity at the same time for us to work towards a visionary solution. And I'm really grateful for the time on the show because I think most people, as soon as you add heavy science Mm -hmm. and cannabis, have sort of really strong knee-jerk reaction and immediately get sort of images of Monsanto plaguing them in the night. And it's it's just, I feel like Mowgli has said that ultimately we are so far behind in cannabis science in many important ways that will really feed the best ethics and practices in the industry that it's just it, it is important to kind of educate people about the reality that if you get your plant genotyped that does not mean that silos can then reverse engineer that plant I, mm. I literally had a conversation two days ago with a prominent testing lab that had exactly that statement they said i we don't trust this process because we think they'll take that data and reverse engineer special plants and i thought wow we are so there are so many different things we have to now explore like, I, I have to do so, that's an hour of education to kind of walk them down about how process works and how micropropagation and tissue culture is distinctive from, you know, a handful of markers that make an, a clear distinguishing. But, but Jeremy, Jeremy, we spent, we spent two years <laughs> trying to explain to people that that wasn't scientifically possible yeah. and it didn't work. And right. so then we just made all the data public <laughs> and then everyone had access right. to it. And that seemed to work better. For a little bit, for a little while. Yeah, well, it, it, it works I mean, a little better, but I want to say that actually this will be a, a theme that's in a prominent display at the Emerald Cup this year in mm-hmm. uh, Santa Rosa, California, where this has been, of course, in the last couple of years, we've been a part of that dialogue at, at, that, uh, at that presentation. But I think this one is going to be special. because In some ways, we'll do our very best to reanimate Amanda's piece and to bring some of these characters together to actually have an intelligent dialogue, probably with attorneys present, to actually do our damnedest to kind of educate the community about these issues at a deeper level. Because if people remain on the sidelines and don't participate, don't protect their work, essentially, by Mm. illustrating that it's out there and kind of wait while, meanwhile, really aggressive companies are investing heavily Mm -hmm. in giant IP strategies and hoovering all this up, I think we get sort of the worst outcome. So I, I'm just excited for people to become a little bit more comfortable with the notion that we are at a place where we need genotypic and chemotypic data. There are good ways to use intellectual property and in ways that are harmful and, and that we have to become more sophisticated at this point. So I really hope Open Cannabis Project can be a, a significant resource for people who are looking for that. We'll be working on public education and a lot of other outreach tools. But bottom line is this is a wonderful point of outreach. And thank you so much for including me. Thanks for including this project. And sure. it's great to be with you all. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. That was great. Thank, thanks, for yeah, Adam, thanks for the yeah. education. Adam, yeah, you're, the, you're the best. We, yes. we appreciate it a <laughs> lot. Right, well, let, let me say one more thing about, about sure. Ag before I sign off. So, well, two quick things. One is that, like, we're spending all this time talking about patents and how to fight them and how to balance the different needs that people have and all that stuff. But um, in some ways, like, we're looking way ahead. The enforcement landscape around patents for, for cannabis right now is non-existent. So you can get them, yeah. but no one's going to be enforcing them anytime soon. And 
so we have this window as a community to, to just decide we're going to do things differently. We, we really do because um, all that money that people have invested in, in patent protection, it's scary, mm-hmm. but it's also like no one's going to back them up on that right now. And if we start making lots of things open and available and doing things in a different way, uh, we have the opportunity to, and there are industries where innovation happens so fast that patent protection just is meaningless. Yeah. You know, because people are constantly, so we drive this industry into a, a frenzy where everyone's breeding crazy new stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you're not going to, you're not going to spend years getting a patent because it, more people are going to be coming out with new stuff all the time. And that is a better thing for plant diversity over time. Because what Big Ag did with all the other crops is they drove their plants towards these elite cultivars that were higher yielding. And they forgot about all the diversity that they'd come from, and they let all that diversity disappear. And so now food security is paradoxically even more vulnerable. We have these high-yielding plants, but they're all the same, and they can be wiped out by one pathogen. So what we want to do is make sure we don't make that mistake with cannabis. We have to encourage breeders to make crazy new stuff, but we have to preserve all that old diversity at the same time. Yeah, well, thank thank God we have so many people out there dedicated to do that. That's the most important part, you know. It's like, and uh, even even when it was illegal, even when it was illegal, there was plenty of people who were... You know, Keeping smart genetics. enough to think about the future on that. Yeah. So there's stuff out there, and it's pretty pretty interesting times now too, because there's a lot of people who, you know, it's like it's all those things we think are lost or whatever. They're not lost. They're just like lost in somebody's drawer somewhere. It's just gonna be pulled out, <laughs> right? And, you know, cracked or the free there's, fridge or freezer. They're still in the fucking. Uh, and and, and so and the, so the you know. Stitching of a shoe that's somebody's mom's basement still to this day. Yeah, well, well, compared to corn and stuff like that, which is like now, obviously, like you know, the biggest business in America when it comes to ag, and pretty limited as far as I mean, you know. Unfortunately, I don't eat a lot of corn anymore because of GMO. There's nothing left. No, there's not even like no. a, there's not one bit of corn left that I can trust. You know, what I mean, it's like so. That just shows you how quick that happened. You know what I mean? That was like, oh no, it's maybe you this. Look now it's just like, nope, it's everything. And, and well, everywhere. Everything. everywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Colorado, there are over 70 registered cannabis industry lobbyists. Mm-hmm. You know, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> what? Are you laughing at the number? Or how few? Yeah, the number. That's crazy. Oh, and the fact is, they're, they're pulling it all. It's like, there are fo- five or six different, different like monster businesses. Like Livewell has seven different lobbyists just for fucking Livewell. Oh man! And so you know, um, I this is why I attend all the. You know, I agree with what you said about getting involved. Getting involved is super, super huge. But like, there's so much to get involved with to understand where our rights are getting taken away at the state level, at the local level. You know. Um, one of the things I'm here to talk about today is that the police departments in the state of Colorado got given a pilot drone program, so a bunch of police departments oh, all just got drones. Oh, fun. Saw the first Before one. Before Christmas, even? Jesus. I know. Well, well you know, I, I got a message. It's back to school time. Right. I, I got know. a Everybody message today toys. on Facebook where uh, the dispensaries in Colorado Springs, some of them were getting raided. I don't know how accurate that was. Probably... I can honestly say the person that posted it is pretty honest and accurate. So I haven't been able likely, to get on any kind of media More than all likely, day. there's some merit to it, um, meaning not just one. I think more than one probably got, got on that list. 
Do you think this is related to John Souther's meeting with the uh, Department of Justice I officials? I absolutely do. Uh, I absolutely do. All right, so we're going uh, so okay. hey, so to... Let, let's say go. goodbye to our phone guest <laughs> yeah. before we segue to the fucking exactly. local state hey, affairs. Hey, nice, nice getting to know you folks. I, I really enjoyed asking the, you guys questions, too. Yeah. And I, I, I have yeah, enjoyed... thanks for having us. Oh, it's been awesome. Yeah, we'll have you, definitely look up your galaxy and your we'll have project. You guys, we'll right. probably have oh, you guys all back good. on at different times, whatever, and maybe maybe the same time again. Who knows? Talk soon, and Amanda's off, too, or she's still there? She's off. Oh. Well, thank you. Uh, Amanda Chicago Lewis, you can see her articles in Rolling Stone and in well, GQ. She just did one article. I don't know if she continues doing it, but definitely she's doing like a whole bunch in Rolling Stone, which is always good. Good, good read. That's like at least, the, oh, my, whenever I had people from Rolling Stone interview us in like Amsterdam, and it was always like good people because you know they're going to write it right. And, and they good. actually ask questions. Yeah, huh. intelligent <laughs> well, questions. The, the yes. very first interview that I had was in '93 with uh, Michael Pollan. Uh, was working, oh, was hilarious. A, was New York Times. So he was like New York. So I was like, oh, New York Times, that's great. And he interviewed me, and then he <laughs> he sent me like a personal apology to, to my partner. Still has my, my business partner from Amsterdam. Still has on the wall, which is like. From him, where he says, like, you know, ah, they fucking fucked my article up. and you know, they, <laughs> At least I got your picture in and a little, couple little blurbs, but I had a whole piece for you guys. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. And then later, when he be, once I realized who he was, I was like, damn, that guy's awesome. Like, that was the best guy ever to have as a first-person interview because right. I totally look up to him now as, like, a, like a sort An of... awesome author? Yeah, like a hero in the in, in that in that zone Journalist. because he's the smartest guy that I've heard as far as food goes and agricultural like what's going on and and so I was like oh okay so it wasn't like just some lackey who came over there and was like yeah, whatever and I was like <laughs> <laughs> I had a kind of opposite experience with The Economist where they actually gave me a really good interview and they published a really good article from it but then they put a picture not of me with it but of a picture of a cannabis shop in Vancouver and there was a sex worker in front of it. Oh, boy. And she had dark hair, so this was really great for me um, because mm-hmm. I wanted like all these people who I had known and grown up with to see the article. Yeah. So I had only read it online because I hadn't gotten the actual copy yet. So right. I told all my friends, like, go out to the newsstand and buy a copy of the Economist. Oh, and then you open it, and there's the article, and it's a great article. And it's like, you know, it's like not super long. It's not too long for the average American with an eighth grade you know, <laughs> education to read it. Fifth grade attention span. Exactly. And then, then, then there's a picture, and it's just a, it's just a random, gen- like, they just must have, they never asked me for a picture. Yeah. Right. And I didn't think that they would, and but, I didn't. But why you know, was it Vancouver? We were at Vancouver. I don't too? know. No, it was just that that was a stock photo of a dispensary, and it happened to be in Vancouver. And you know, it's. See, that's I get the opposite. And it was I like got, in got, some district where there were hookers and such. Yeah, I got used my, my was, stock photo with. The, it was awesome. From the first show that I did with uh, James Bean. Uh, some guy from uh, Reuters was there taking photos, and he got a photo of me, side shot, in front of a sign that says cannabis. So they used it because I was wearing my like camouflage weed pattern thing, and I had oh. my hat on and a beard. You were being all subtle. And so they oh, were like, oh, that guy is perfect, right? So they used it, but they used it in all the weirdest shit. Like, I'd be like, this is like some gay something something which is like new law gays are allowed to go to the park after midnight i was like what the hell has that got to do with me you know what i mean it's like i was like what does that have to do with cannabis and that picture and then they were like there's always these really weird <laughs> you meet this guy you're gonna suck photo. a dick later. <laughs> it was something like this i guess which that, would work for me but yeah, could, i don't know that, about everybody else that could have been that could have been the reason but no it was just like the perfect stock photo for people who were like 
stock photo cannabis guy beard or something. I don't know what they were. I don't know what they had. I have been the stereotype, and I was used in some marketing pictures oh, for see, some uh, music festivals. I can see that. In that in that cliched way of because you had your big glasses on and you were like, <laughs> like oh my god, this chick's like a festy chick. All right, day, and, then, every and day. then they start talking, and they're like, will she ever fucking shut up about the state of politics? All right, let's talk about politics. Right, yeah, 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 about half hour. Right, so here's hour. what's happening. Half hour. I brought it? you some chocolate. Oh, I'm hungry. Right now. This I, this is a, a new product. <laughs> this is as weak of a product as I'm willing. To make it's a tw- you get five 25 milligram oh products in a little God. bag, and I call it mustache rides and salty nipples. Oh yeah! And yes. you get a mustache shaped thing. You get you get a you get a variety I'll save of different nipples flavors. for my wife. <laughs> well, the mustache is like a uh, cayenne and cinnamon thing. Just try one. one all they're they're all like 25. The white ones are CBD one to one. The rest of them are just THC. I think that's a caramel filled one. I don't fucking Ooh. know. I don't fucking know. Kind of crunchy one. Oh, all right, whatever. I don't know what's in them all. It's got crunchy caramel somehow. Mm, no, there's a crunchy one and the caramel one. They're different. Anyway, I digress. Doesn't, which doesn't taste at all like weed. Not. Nah, it tastes like weed. It does? Of course it tastes like weed. It's subtle, though. It's not like a fucking over the head. All right, so my follow-up statement is while you eat candy, I, I can ramble on for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the things I've been working on. I've gone to the med rulemaking. I have been working on the summer legislative session stuff for the state, uh, basically for like, there's nine interim legislative sessions, four of them are about who we're going to lock up next. We'll talk a little bit about that, some of it's about the opioid crisis. I've been, I I attended the trial for the murder trial for Keith Hammock. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys followed that, but he was the uh, gentleman in um, the north side of Denver, um, and basically he was... Um, he had 13 plants in his backyard. Some kids jumped his fence. He shot mm-hmm. out his window. And somehow two kids ended up dead with three bullets in him, but he only fired four bullets. So, like, somehow in the dead of night in the dark, he's this master sniper, and the police never followed up. I just recently actually received what do you a... Think, what do you think the reality was there? you think somebody else was involved? Or? Oh, I definitely do. I attended huh. the trial every day of the trial hmm. because I actually knew Keith for many... I, I knew him for 17 years before all of this happened. So when I saw in the newspaper that, you know, this guy was accused, I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to get, you know, reduced down to black man mm-hmm. shoots kids. Right. And it's not going to have anything to do with the fact that, you know, of course, you sh- you know... If he was white, the, the story would have been dismissed as three other cases in the state of Colorado within the last two years have occurred that never went to a trial, much less a trial for murder one. They said in his trial that he put those plants in his backyard as like some sort of premeditated like sociopathic bait mm-hmm. to lure somebody, anybody back there to shoot and kill. Oh, and no. that, that the whole thing was premeditated. And I'm like, how could a premeditated act of a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old jumping over your fence Mm -hmm. into your yard where your grow is? And this is why I wanted to talk about it here, because the community that listens to this show are growers. And they all sit there, and I I, I know there's a lot of tough talk out in your audience, and Mm. a lot of white boys with guns sitting there being like, I'm going to cap somebody's ass. But the reality is, this 50-year-old man with 13 fucking plants, Mm -hmm. um, like nine in the ground, and like Five or six in uh, pots. Yeah, and like Home Depot buckets. Right. Yeah, not even big plants. And like, so not, like, they, they found a Home Depot bucket. The police found a Home Depot bucket five properties down from his property in a backyard of an abandoned building on the night that these two kids were shot. So there were obviously, if these two kids were shot 
and the one kid was paralyzed and the other kid died on the scene, somebody else brought that plant down the alley. But the police chose not to check that bucket for blood evidence, for mm -hmm. DNA evidence, for fingerprints, or for anything to prove that it was related to the plants in the yard. They just happened to say, oh, there just happens to be a separate matching Home Depot bucket with a plant at the exact same level of maturity yeah, right. down the alley in the building behind an abandoned building. Right. And right. there's a trail of leaves leaving from the house, from the yard. And so obviously these two kids had at least thrown a couple plant buckets up over the... Yeah. There was another one right where the fence was. And, and you know, he's, Or they like pulled one out and left it. They had left the first one and went back to get more. And right. No, he said that he saw the shadows of five or six people, but of course they tried to discount his and discredit his testimony. Okay. And he believes that someone else... I mean, I actually just received from him a letter from jail because I had attended all of his trial um, with all of his notes from the trial where he says, you know, even what his public defender is saying is like a crock of shit and is not... You know, that they tested him and they didn't find gunshot residue on his clothing, his hands, or his, uh, you know, his person. But they're saying that, you know the gun was fired from his house and he admits that he fired shots but he said he fired you know not and so they basically just you know it's a it's i mean i honestly believe a man that i've known for 17 years who i know to be a super gentle kind easygoing soul but they actually had the audacity to say that this guy who's like a, a pretty true rastafarian and very wholesome guy who has you know living in a house with a woman that he's been in a 15 year on and off again relationship with and helped raise her children that this guy went out and saw two little kids in the backyard. And, I mean, the one kid looked like goddamn Webster when he came to testify in his wheelchair. And, I mean, I don't say that against him, but, I mean, he was very sympathetic because he looked like a preteen. Right. But the fact is he was out gangbanging, and he admitted it in his testimony that that's, you know, that's what they were up to was gangbanging, and they were out, you know, looking to steal shit. And so, you know, like this kid somehow gets more credibility because you got a jury of a bunch of fucking eight white chicks named Becky who all like are like the, the between 30 and 40 years old and probably do have kids but have like a kid who's like not a teenager yet so they they have like this impression of this young guy and they don't understand what it's like to be the mother of a teenager and how that's completely a different animal than like an eight or nine year old and so I think the basic thing boiled down to that this jury was super millennial and they got to ask questions at the end of the thing, and they all went nuts on the fact that this older guy in his 50s wasn't sleeping with his phone right beside him or in the bed with him. Now, I mean, I'm in my 40s. I don't sleep with my phone in the bed with me, like, because it's just weird to me. Like, it's, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a different culture if you're maybe 30 years old, and I think that those people do, like, have the phone right there in case you need to, like, respond to something on Instagram at, like, 2.30 in the morning or yeah. something. I don't know. I mean, I'll get up and get it when I have, like have to pee, mm -hmm. but I'll put it, you know, like in the other room on the charger or like oh. in, you know, on the dresser on the charger. It's not like right there. No. And so they couldn't understand why he couldn't find his phone and dial 911. Why did he take action instead of trying to call 911 when he lives in the ghetto? And it's like, well, if you live in a nice neighborhood, <clears throat> you don't understand why he couldn't find his phone to call 911 and was looking for his gun before he looked for his phone. Mm -hmm. But when somebody's in your backyard and they're pounding on your back door and trying to come in through your back door, any normal person, no matter what the color of their skin, will take protective action to defend their spouse and their long-term girlfriend or whatever the hell the person that they're living with. 
And so because he didn't tell the police that he had fired shots, they painted this whole story that he was like a sociopath. And that he had, you know, because they took him downtown at like 4.30 in the morning, and after they told him that they wanted to ask him some questions for a murder investigation, he says, murder? You're telling me somebody was murdered? And he says, the, the cop says yes. You know, because I, mean, I sat there and I got to see, you know, this is why I went, because I figured, like, this guy is my true friend. I know him, and he's going to need more than these public defenders. He's going to need somebody who knows who the fuck he is and that he's more than the facts presented in this case, at least for moral support. And if not just for that, somebody who will listen to the facts that's presented in his case and look for a reason for a retrial or a, you know, appeal or anything that we can find. And I saw plenty of them. But basically, they sat there and they tried to say that that he had premeditated all of this, that he had a gun ready and loaded, that he had put these plants out there with a, with a cowbell on the fence. So they were in a locked, fenced chicken coop or like a chicken run, like a six foot by six foot by like six foot chicken run with fence on the top, which is what it says by the law. And then they were, that chicken coop was inside a five foot or six foot wooden security fence that went all around the property except for where there was a gate where you could drive a car through, you know, like a, like a normal backyard in an alley off of, this, off of City Street in Denver. And that was covered with tarps so that you couldn't see through the um, chain link fence of the, like, you know, the fence that was locked with a padlock. So these kids came up over the wooden fence, and my friend said that he saw the shadows of five or six people and fired into the air, but the testimony from the coroner was that the, the one young boy who died, like, boom, on the scene, mm -hmm. the way he was shot was from the side, through his armpit, and through his the bullet rattled around his heart and came out the other side of his shoulder, and the other kid was shot twice from either side of his rib cage. So you're telling me that a man from upstairs in a second story from far away was able to get up under this kid's armpit without hitting his arm or any other part of his, you know... It just seemed very... And it wasn't a diagonal through the body that way. It was more of a straight through and through this way. Yes. That don't make no sense. Yeah, well, somebody, some, one of his little homies shot him or something. I, I, I believe that that's the case. Yeah. That once, yeah. once the one kid got shot and was paralyzed and they couldn't get him, they shot the other... I don't know. I don't really know. But I know that the, they had a gun with them and no testing was done on that gun. Um, and so, you know, there was all sorts of crazy details from this, from the whole case, but they ended up convicting him of murder too, which is basically premeditated, not sociopathic murder, but premeditated, like setting up a scenario where you're going to kill somebody. And this is, I think something that I think people need to be heads up on because the, the reason that the, if, if, if he had shot those two kids when they were going out his backyard, with a flat screen TV, the DA would have been like black people, all three of them, rah, and shook their head. But because there were cannabis plants, this was a huge five-day trial. And, you know, my buddy didn't have anyone but a public defender, and it became a huge fiasco. And so, you know, we're working on trying to get some people organized to, you know, help him get an appeal so that he can, you know, appeal some of the grounds that the public defenders... I, I approached his public defender after the testimony one day, and I asked her, why didn't you ask that cop when he testified whether or not he was a voice recognition expert? Because he made a totally speculative statement. And she goes, are you an attorney? And I said, no, but did he or did he not make a speculative statement that you didn't correct him on? Mm -hmm. And then in her closing argument, she totally 
fucking cited what I said. And I was like, bitch, please. You know, I mean, this is the kind of shit that outrages me. So, you know, I know we're in a half hour of tight time squeeze and I won't digress too much about it, but I do yeah, think right, I there, there, there is a certain degree of solidarity amongst growers and I would hope that people would, you know, pay, pay attention to and follow this case because this case is only a murder case and is only a murder one case in a sociopathic association with murdering somebody who's in your backyard, not by your choice at two in the morning. Because of the marijuana plants. That marijuana angle was 100% the angle. And his medical card had expired like seven or eight weeks before this. And so they didn't allow that he had plants for himself, plants for his girlfriend, and plants for his medical need. That 13th plant is basically their grounds for convicting him of illegal cultivation in Denver, which is being selectively applied here. And because he had a... um, like a lasagna pan with some scrapings, like less than 0.03 grams of uh, some sort of cannabis oil, they call, mm-hmm. charged him with uh, manufacture of cannabis oil, which is another right. felony. Right. So they didn't just charge him with the murder and attempted murder, they also charged him with uh, illegal cultivation of, of, of a 13th fucking plant. 1220 hasn't even been put into fucking, it was the city of Denver applying their local ordinance, mm-hmm. which is only a fucking ordinance that can only have a violation. Like, it's only supposed to be a ticket. Yeah. But they convicted him as if it was 1220 of a felony. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go to his sentencing on October 4th, and I'll keep people posted on what I learn, and I'm, you know, in communication Sounds with like him. Sounds like it can certainly be appealed. Right. And so, I mean, I'm basically, this is the kind of stuff I'm working on, and I think it's fucking cool to know about genetics and DNA. But at the bottom line, I'm just keeping people out of fucking jail to the best of my ability. So I've been going over the summer to this opioid substance abuse um, legislative hearings. Mm-hmm. And I've been to four of them. And in the four of them that I've been to, it's supposed to be about opioid and other prescription substances that are abused and cause death in right. the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Over the four meetings that I've been to, cumulatively less than 15 minutes have been discussed on benzodiazepines across the board, so like clonopins, Xanax, Valium, all that kind of stuff, which is addictive and right. does cause problems and does actually lead to withdrawals that can kill you. Who's that? Is that me? Um, I don't have technology, it's so me. it's not no, me. It is me. It's him. Oh. So, but they spent, over the course of those meetings, they spent almost eight hours talking about cannabis use disorder, mm-hmm. which is not deadly, is not a prescription drug, and I asked them, you know, why are you spending so much energy on cannabis? Because they actually wanted to talk about trying to pre-genetically test people in the state of Colorado to determine who might be an addict and deny that person pain medications to prevent the opioid crisis. And so this is what's going on here in the state of Colorado. And it's like, you know, this is the fundamental fight of the drug war to create an other that we can lock up. Because... That meeting that I attended where they talked about, you know, let's predisposition screen for genetic, like, potential addiction and not give that person pain medication, that meeting was not driven by pharmaceutical lobbyists. It was driven by the prison and police lobby. And it was about how we're going to lock people up and how we're going to change sentencing laws. So there's been a big hearing this summer about changing sentencing laws. And this is what I think is relevant to growers and people who are out there who have been following when I've been on the show and talked about 1220, mm-hmm. is that they're going to change the felony laws here again in Colorado and make the time that now the felonies that are attached to 1220 will carry more time than they did when the law was passed. And so this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I just want people to know that this is not bullshit happening in a vacuum. This is bullshit that has dovetailed 
to be a fucking watertight little bit of bullshit. And so essentially, you know, these are the things that I've been working on during the summer. Just I want people to understand that, you know, that, that when the legislative session stops and all the rah-rah activist people go basically do whatever the hell they do, go to their vacation house, um, that actually there's still hearings all summer long. But the one good news that I have to offer out of this is that one of the legislators on that opioid panel is uh, Jonathan Singer out of Longmont. And I had kept hearing over the course of the summer from a lot of different patients that he was like behind the strings pulling scenes with the CDPHE with people who were having problems with the online registry. So people who were stuck with the online registry and they couldn't make it work and they couldn't get their card and they couldn't move forward, they couldn't access their medical cannabis, um, have somehow reached out to Jonathan Singer, including a patient that I work with directly. And so she told me, you know, you need to talk to him. And I cornered him and I said, you know, hey, your name has come up a half dozen times where you pulled strings and then people got their card within like 48 hours. And it, and it did. And like every single one of these people that said that all testified, like he called them for me and it was worked out. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's awesome for those five or six people that I've heard your name drop by. It's absolute bullshit for the 100,000 other people on the registry that are having a hard time because this online registry is actually fraudulent and has all these problems. And to my shock, because he doesn't have a perfect track record of always standing by patients, he sat down and talked to me for like 40 minutes and went over every detail of what I think is wrong with that online registry, why it violates the rights of rural patients, why it violates the rights of elderly patients, why taking away the right to use a paper system essentially violates the whole meaning of the Amendment 20 of the Constitution. And allegedly, allegedly, he may help us to fight that online registry, which is causing so many problems for the patient community. But in the interim, I would say if there's somebody out there who's listening, who's saying, you know, hey, I am a patient, I've been having problems with this, or my caregiver and I've been having problems with this, that Jonathan Singer, you can find his um, address on the legislative website, can help you with that, and we should all reach out to him. And if he gets bombarded by enough patients who are having enough problems, I think it'll make it to where he really cannot, uh, you know, he cannot ignore the uh, forest for the trees and see it's, mm -hmm. oh, it's just these few patients. Exactly. And so if we have someone who's listening, we need to make sure that our voice is coming through loud and clear and at the same time be respectful because I do believe he is at least interested in talking about helping the situation. And, um, you know, he's made some mistakes in the past, and I told him that when I sat down to talk to him. I was like, look, dude, here's the bills that you were on on the past that was actually bullshit, hurt the patient community, and was bad. And he's like, look, if I did wrong, I'll own it, and I'll work on it. And I'm like, well, then in that case, let's work on this in the future, and I'm going to judge you by your performance on this issue because it's a big issue. Yeah. So, you know, I'm working on stuff all summer trying to make things happen. Um, I've been going to the med rulemaking, and they talked about on their last meeting the new research licensing, which is going to be really kind of not exactly the spirit of what the bill was supposed to be, but it's going to allow you to take, right. and this is, I think, going to be interesting. I hope those guys are still listening because this is going to dovetail in with some of what they're talking about, where you're going to either going to be able to take a specific strain and grow it out and do um, clinical trial-style testing for a medical condition. Mm -hmm. Um, do specific testing for a specific strain for efficacy for, um, you know, basically all sorts of different applications. And the intention was that you could also take a grow and have a homogenous grow of plants that you could essentially um, apply a test pesticide or a test agricultural product or a test um, growth enhancement product right. to, you know, maybe a microbial. And so this was supposed to be, you know, this 
thing where you could test these products. But essentially now the, the, the rulemaking is happening and it's being conducted by people who are already in the industry. Shocking. And so you don't have anybody who's like worked on crafting this bill so that new people could enter with a low-level and expensive license to craft products that were boutique-specific or, you know, as... It would basically be the illegal opportunity to apply some of what the two gentlemen that were on in the, mm. in the radio portion of the... or in the call-in portion of the show were talking about. And so there's really not a way to do that. But now they're kind of neutering the whole intention of the bill because there's not really a way that the industry people are trying to keep it so that there's no way that that cannabis can enter any place where you, I, or the other breeders could sample it ourselves. Like, it only could go to a patient. And it's like, well, I don't really want to send something to a patient mm -hmm. until, as a breeder, as a grower, as a um, person who's working on a breeding project, I want to be able to sample that. And so I think this is a real fundamental problem that we're having here with the state is that, you know, this cannot sample, cannot use on-site clause <coughs> that right. the med, you know, they're turning around and using that to say that the breeder and the person who wants to get this research license would be ineligible to take home a sample of what they spent six months breeding on. How do you select for phenotype <laughs> right. if the breeder cannot, you know, you test the empirical data? Exactly. Right. And mm -hmm. so this is frustrating to me, and this is the kind of stuff that, this is the kind of stuff that I try to work on to, to to solve that solution. That this bill was intended to allow people to do selective breeding, so that they would have a product that could go to a specific patient. Yeah. But they want to find the phenotype, and they need to be able to t at least have some select people within their organization. And there's no no ability to niche out and say, well, we're going to have our three sample people that are employed in our company but are also you know maybe the owner maybe the maybe just a, a patient who works there who we Sounds really like want to test legislative interference of growth boom it's no it's legislative interference with with research and with with of with growth, progress of, yes of progress. exactly yeah. and so you know this is this is why because i think there's so much interesting science coming from like how much of these research what was that guy, the, it's mowgli and what was the other guy's name josh jordan uh Jeremy. Jeremy. Okay, sorry. Close. I knew. That was close. You had the J. You had the J right. Anyway. Um, Jeremy and nice young Robert. man. Very smart. Uh -huh. But, you know, all of the work that those guys are doing is essentially being thwarted by legislative intent by these people who are in this industry who have so many lobbyists uh -huh. working to funnel. It doesn't matter if you don't have a patent. If you have all the lobbyists already, right. you're funneling all the dollars towards yourself. And this is why 1220 was a bill. Mm -hmm. So... We're going to talk about 1220 and how that dovetails with the Med's newly repeat, released um, statistical data for 2016, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to wrap up by talking about that cannabis clinician's impairment test that I that I participated in because that was pretty fucking kick-ass too. All right, let's do it. All right, so the Med released their annual data report um, like on August 8th, and basically it talks about all what went down in 2016, <coughs> and. Let's bear in mind that Barbara Broll, the retired, now retired, underline, 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 director of the Department of Revenue, who retired eight days before it was revealed that a med agent worked for the company implicated in the largest bust in Colorado marijuana growing history. Right. Um, but she retired conveniently just before that, mm -hmm. before Sessions could ask her ass any questions about her participation in metric. Um, and I believe that when she retired, she obviously had to have the empirical data from 2016 that I'm about to cite. 
So the medical cannabis industry had 158,000 plants. And the recreational cannabis industry had 225,000 plants. So they had whatever it was, like points, you know, whatever it was. It was half again, so it was 1.5% the total. So they had one and a half times the number of plants Mm -hmm. that the medical industry had. But when it came time to measure the actual pounds sold, the medical industry sold, what was it, like 58 million pounds, and the rec industry only sold 73 million pounds. So it was like 16,000 more pounds with like half again as many plants. And I mean, that right there is like, if metric is accurate and metric is giving the state accurate information about the industry and where those plants are going and tracking everything from seed to sale, there's absolutely no way that the people working for the Marijuana Enforcement Division and the Department of Revenue are unaware that the predominant majority of diversion is coming from the recreational side of the fucking licensing. There's no way you can, you, there's no way you can slice that pie where you have 150% and you only sell 8 it, it was like, what was it? I did the math on it, and it was like 8.7% more plants. Or, or, no, it was a little more than that. It was like 12.7% more plants. It was a ridiculously low number. So you can't have 150% and only sell 112%. Like, the, 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 like either the rec growers are just god-awful, horrible growers, which, I mean... That kind of makes sense. I, I think yeah, the yeah. fact that the... the mo- There's a percentage there, at least, right. a couple and, points. But, I mean, it's, it's not enough to make up the difference. It's, it's clear that the problem is coming from within that sector. And so, you know, it just kind of makes me livid that we're going through the motions of another rulemaking session, and one of the rules now is about making it so that if your initial flower of one of the two... So you only have to have your flower tested once every six months. Everyone listening out there know this. Industry flower only has to be tested once every six months for any given thing. It doesn't even have to be separate. Per strain or per... Per, per batch. So you can have multiple strains in a batch. It's, it's like kind of insane. Wow. And this doesn't really give you a, a accurate t- testing data. No. And so... <clears throat> Essentially, as long as you're passing these microbial tests every so often, you no longer have to record the uh, THC data. And um, so these six-month tests, if you fail your microbials in that six-month test, you can keep blasting your shit down with solvents and sending that back to be tested until it tests clean. And it doesn't have to be labeled in any way for the consumer to know this. But the problem is that these private individuals are growing more than 12 plants in their house. Like, like that's the fucking problem? No, this is right. not the fuck. The problem is that you're trying to funnel us into buying something that we already know is unclean, yeah. unsafe, mm-hmm. and we have no real regulatory oversight. And then the last thing which I want to say, which I wanted to ask some those gentlemen who were on the show before a little bit about is, in Colorado, we still do not have universal calibration for our testing labs. Exactly. I, got a, I, I had issue with that, the testing and... How it's not mandatory on the medical side, but oh, they yeah, instituted still is not side. mandatory on the medical exactly. side. Exactly, I got and so with that myself. Before well, medical, everybody test, I tell that they're but, like, oh. but, yeah. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> what? but let's rewind to my level of geek. Irene Aguilar, the sponsor of Senate Bill fifteen oh five oh, which was the first bill to take away our rights to grow our plants in our private residence, mm-hmm. said that it was okay to take away a medical patient's rights to grow their medical plants in their house because 
the regulated and tested medical marijuana from the industry was safer than what we could grow in our homes. And that's absolutely bullshit because she said that in 2000, early 2015, mm -hmm. it's been 30 months since she said that, and there's still not medical testing that is effective for patients. No. Well, not only that, but they all got a powdery mold. And how many recalls have there been on the, on the Rick side? Boom! So, you know, Let's like, talk oh. about that. Recall. So, have, recall. have you noticed that the city of Denver has issued all these recalls that the Med actually never follows up and makes a statewide recall? Right. So, Dixie's just got recalled by the city of Denver six weeks well, ago no. for using industrial. Um, industrial oils that are intended for cleansers and solvents and not intended for food-based consumption in their mints. Mm. So someone cutting corners and being cheap on the internet ordered, uh, you know, orange oil and mint oil that were intended for making, like, industrial soaps, not yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like to make a scent, not like a food grade. Gotcha. And then this got caught by the city of Denver's Department of Health. Ouch. They issued a recall in the city of Denver... The med, six weeks later, is silent. There has been no statewide issue of a recall of Dixie's products. So this product is out there, and the excise tax is being collected on every oh, yeah. wholesale sale. Ah, to direct. Hmm. So you can't sell that batch of products in Denver, but you, you can, can sell them sell to the assholes in Durango, and you can or sell Colorado them. Colorado Springs. Exactly, or, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, those guys, fucking those guys. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so it, it affected both their well, recreational. I mean, we have a lot of them there. No, I but it affected both their recreational and medical products. And I mean, granted, it's an ass product in the first place, but there are a lot of people who are just like, oh, it's discreet. Me, 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 me. Right. And so, you know, people deserve to well, know. They're taking the Starbucks that, look uh, on products, anyways, to me. But I mean, I've gotten the hip look. I think that people deserve to know that this has an industrial floor solvent cleanser product I'm glad in I it. I don't buy their products. So. I don't buy anything from the stores because I can make my own shit. Right. And I can, and I got some nice weed that I rock brew, and it's fucking good. You know? So, like. Colorado Springs. There you go. Oh. Go I rock. Yeah. Go <laughs> I rock. Well, you know, we got to give him a shout-out yeah, once more. He appreciates it out there in his weirdo land. Yeah, yeah, him, and, him and two are just in their own little on their own Hey, little don't be mocking rural people. No. Rural. I mean, I brought you... I actually, going back to this guy's food sustainability, I brought you... You know, everybody brings you organic stuff from their garden. I brought you some organic spring mix from my uh, oh, nice. organic yard garden that I grew out of recycled... Grow boy root balls that I yeah. put, grow put out. boy root balls. What would you call it? I mean, you just go like around in your pickup truck and you gather up the hey, dirt that they're gonna throw grow away. Grow boy, get over right here. And then you put compost in it, and then sure. in the next spring you you plant all your. I mean, I got every like, one of those dispensaries got throw away a whole bunch every yes. grow season, and it's so. chock full of nutrients. Yeah, that that's, that's allegedly right. organic. Yeah. Alleg well, even if it ain't, if you if you add your own, you know. No, I'm, I'm laughing. Yeah, yeah, but it's supposed to be organic. That's right? what I'm saying. Is like if yeah. it, if it's organic, mm -hmm. why did I get like 27 pounds of goddamn turnips? You know that. <laughs> in an eight yeah, hell, you know, like come knows, on, people. Who the hell knows? They're there, like getting but... turnips the size of goddamn baseballs, and it's not just because oh. I have a green thumb. Oh. So, uh, all right. Well, all right. So, next? okay, back to yeah, uh, my neurosis. Two more, two more rants. Two more rants. <sighs> Don't don't minimize the quality and content of my neurosis. No, it's good. It's, um, it's so what was I going to say about? So I'm going to talk about the cannabis clinicians thing. Mm -hmm. And what else did I have on my plate? Uh, there was Mostly that stuff. I rewinded and figured it out. But and now we're good. Hmm. Let's just skip to the cannabis clinicians. And if I think about it while I'm ranting, I'll divert like I always do. So I did that. You probably saw on the news that a test of driver impairment. So it's scientific research. Oh, is but, this another one? Well, um, this was like last week ago Sunday, so like 10 okay. days ago or so. 
I have so much like a side commentary. I'm going to talk about the science part of it. Then I'm going to talk about the bullshit part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, because I like to diversify my portfolio and I'm going to call out some people for being little bitches that I have previously also called little bitches. Anyway, um, Cannabis Clinicians of Colorado, cool organization. They put on this event. You Basically, you were supposed to show up in the morning without having medicated for late, like eight hours or, as I interpreted that, in the condition I would go anywhere that I would normally go. So I got, like, high before I left the house like I would normally do. Showed up there. And we had to do a like a series of like video game style cognitive tests where you were like pugging in like like you were supposed to like so it was also a test of like your general intelligence and your baseline so like they were testing mm -hmm. like how smart are you when you're sober how cognitive and our ability are you to to meet and match where you were at that sober baseline so we came in and they did a blood draw and they took my blood i did those cognitive tests I did a roadside test with a retired police officer conducting it, mm -hmm. and he took it to like the full hilt of being kind of dickish to me and yelling at me, and I was like, you don't have to yell at me, you're retired, and that went great. And, uh, uh, it was all video, obviously? Yeah. Yeah, they loved it. They were and, loving it. They were loving it. And then they went out, and they um, boom, boom, took boom. us out to like that, that looper bus was yeah, there, yeah. and they yeah. provided their bus, which was nice of them. That was good. And, uh, good, good move, looper, Hal. Yeah, yeah, he, that, he was there, but then he, was I don't know, he got afraid of the needle because I turned around and he was gone. I bet. Cops and needles, <laughs> you'd be like, I'm fucking out of here, bro. This is not Yeah, no, he, he seemed like he was afraid of the conspiracy. I could see that. Um, I don't blame him. He good, seemed like a cool dude. Move. He had a hot girlfriend. Maybe that was why he left, too, you know? I mean, I, that would be even smarter. Yeah, he doesn't need to see, you know, people getting their arms no. pierced with needles. And I don't bus. have a problem with that. I organized the cannabis blood drive back in uh, whatever year that was. I think it was in 2012. But uh, anywho, so I um, did all of that, went out to the bus. For the sake of science, I did 25 rapid-fire miniature bong hits within an hour mm -hmm. because I care. Mm -hmm. That's about five times what I would normally do in a normal hour of my average life. Right. But for science, I wanted to really push the extreme. And after that hour that I sat in there and really like did as many bong hits as I did and even traded weed with somebody else so I could try different cannabinoid profiles to see if that would impact me more. Yeah. For science, again. Of course. Um, always, always for science. I, yes. uh, I figured an hour in there, really, like they said, you know, you weren't supposed to just sit in there all day. Like, you have to come back in and do the second round of testing. So I went back in to do the second round of testing, and I did the blood test, and I did the cognitive test. And the first round in the cognitive test, I got like a 92, which they said was a good score and like a high score. And they're like, oh, oh, oh good luck matching that in the second round. I came back in the second round, I got 100% on that cognitive test. Which is like a basically like a test of your. It's like remember Simon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like do. It's Simon, do, but it includes do. words. Okay, yeah. so conceptually, but I don't play video games, and I haven't played a video game since like maybe the last time I hitchhiked to the to like the bowling alley and played Tetris <laughs> in like 1989. Right. But once I got a driver's license, fuck that shit. Fuck mm -hmm. video games. But you know what I'm saying? Like when? when come on, you you came up in the eight. Came Simon, up in the eighties. We played we some fucking video games when we started getting high back in the day. Oh yeah, we got good. done playing Atari tennis. I was done. I played pinball a lot. Okay, uh, but we're all video pinball. games. All right, we're not on. All the right, pinball. let's not cockfight over this <laughs> shit. No. But but about nineteen eighty nine, I quit playing video games. So this was like you know the hardest part for me, and I like had kind of stumbled in the first round because I was getting used to the, like. The beepu bapu and the guy. I told the guy like this isn't working, and he's like, "That's a user error." And I'm like, "Fuck you! It's not a you know." I was like pissed because he was condescending to me because he thought I was a stoner, would. and um, yeah. 
Anyway, they did that. Now, I will say the second round of testing seemed like to a certain extent it became kind of a shit show mm -hmm. because people were getting backed up. So people were doing the um, roadside test and then maybe not having their blood drawn for like another 40 minutes because the blood draws was taking so long because, you know, I mean, you got to do it right and be clean and keep it sterile and everything. So I think for the sake of science, it almost would have made sense if they would have had like, you know, come out to that bus and pulled somebody and said, we're going to take your blood, we're going to run you through these tests all in like a 50, you know, a quick, so that we can right. assess where your blood is at. Because if you did that test and you showed impairment in that test, but then your blood isn't drawn for 40 minutes later, your blood might not be at 75 or 100 nanograms, it might be at 15 again. Sure. And so these are things that I was concerned with for empirical data purposes, and this is actually why I volunteered my for time science, and gave up. Science. Well, that's why I gave up my time for science, yes. for weird science <laughs> at that. But um, you know, because I wanted to be actually witness to say, okay, well, if the empirical data doesn't show, you know, extremely high levels of cannabis um, blood blood nanograms per liter, you know are not correlated with impairment, yeah. I'm going to be somewhat disappointed. Right. But what was interesting is after I did that cognitive test and I got 100% on that, they sent me right... I was pretty quick because I timed myself. Like I was like, I'm just going to sit on this bus and keep chiefing yeah. while a lot of these people hurry up because I had witnessed, like I was still in my first round of testing while people were coming back in and it was getting delayed because they were still finishing my testing, blah, da, 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 da. So I was like, all right, I got to wait for most of these people to leave and they left where they came back out to the bus to get high again before they left. And so I was like, all right, when they all come back out to the bus, I'll go in and I'll do the testing. And I went through my whole round of testing within like 20 minutes. So they did my blood. I did the cognitive test. I did good on that. And then I went right in and did the, the roadside test with the retired cop again. And uh, he said I actually did better after doing 25 bong hits in an hour yeah. than I had done in the first round of testing. Right. So I thought that was very interesting. I thought that would be something and that... And they didn't... Yeah, did they keep that info? Or? Um, I will get a copy of my results, which will show what my cognitive round one and round two scores were and what my blood level round one and one two at the end of October. So around Halloween, I'll get a copy of that test result. So maybe I'll come back and tell you guys whatever that was. And there'll be some other people that did it. But then, then there was all this like kind of unseemliness where when I got there, like there's a whole news crew there. And it's like all like turning into this dog and pony show where this certain activist who testified in favor of taking away a patient's right to grow their medicine in their private residence, who shall rename nameless because promoting her name and her whore husband's name Ooh. would just be bad. But they're bad people and they mm -hmm. suck balls and they testified yes. in favor of 1220 and their Munchausen syndrome by proxy mommy friend was also with them. And... Uh, are you shedding a little tear over there? Because no, you know I'm exactly laughing. who I'm talking I know about. Exactly, and I'm laughing. Somebody uh, who's like, after the funeral, I got a haircut and a new handbag. Oh boy! And uh, mm -hmm. so they, she showed up four hours late and cut in line. What was her point? She was going to be part of the deal. Yeah, they showed up to be part of the study, oh. and so they were there. And when I, but when we, the, just the, just the uh, dastardly husband and wife duo of of, of glory hounding usurpers and do nothingers. Um, were there when I arrived, and uh, the first thing I see is that that woman goes running up to a news crew who's there to follow somebody else to volunteer herself to, to go into the blooper bus, which isn't open yet, to do dabs on camera for a dog and pony dab show right. so that her image can be on the news so she can use it for her GoFundMe. Mm, glory down. La, 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 la. Yeah. So I don't say anything. I just, what the fucking 
I hate these people. Fuck this. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And I did for several fucking hours. <laughs> then what happened? And then boom it's so goes much to dynamite. Well, we know me, right? We, we, this is why we have me on the show. This is why we like me. Because unlike certain code-switching carpetbaggers, I'm fucking keeping it real. So I digress. Um, this, this bitch later had the audacity, like maybe four hours later after I, I watched the whole like, thing where she dragged the news crew out there to film her and her husband doing dabs in the bus so that that would be on the news, which I thought was pretty unseemly for someone who says that they're uh, a patient advocate to be doing dabs and acting kind of Spicoli-esque for the cameras. But, you know, that's just my opinion because I don't, I don't do that shit. I don't, I don't do the media. I don't, I don't even do fucking selfies. Right. You know? And so they did that. And we all went in. Then Hubby Wubby went and he helped um, Munchausen Mommy cut in line after she arrived like four hours late. So she cut in line in front of a bunch of people. And I was actually one of the two people who were next in line when she cut in line. She did and not know what she did, did she? I don't you, think she... You, you did not do that now. And so the young, yeah, the young girl who I had been going didn't. through the whole day with yeah, I can already see it. Like started to object and be like, no, she's not supposed to be in here with me. It's supposed to be that like, nice old hippie lady who's been consoling me about needles for the last several hours because we had talked about like, needles and I was like, dude, I'll be in there with you. It'll be clutch. It'll be fucking chill. Don't fucking worry. So the young girl... I'd, so I wasn't really paying attention. I was dicking with my phone because I was waiting in line. I was trying to be patient and not be like... Come on, you know, like I want to go out to that bus and get high, you know. So I was just trying to be chill, and I didn't like object when she walked up there or walked over there. I wasn't really paying attention to what she does because I don't really like her, and I don't really want to have any doings with anyone who testified in favor of twelve twenty, because I might say something that is regrettable for all involved. So I felt if I just looked at my phone and ignored them bitches, everything would be fine. Until I realized she's sitting in the chair getting her blood drawn after she just walked in the door. And I'm like, what the hell? They're hurrying her up so she can get out there and be on the fucking news. So, you know, let's cut in line in front of the fucking patients. So I, from my chair, just loudly called out, bullshit. And they told me to keep quiet. And Stacy's like, what's the problem? I'm sorry, I wasn't supposed to say their names. Oh. <laughs> so she's like, what's the problem? I'm like, and I just said from my chair, not yelling, but loudly enough for her to hear me in the next room. You're putting yourself in front of the patients, just like you always do. That's what the problem is. She got all butthurt about that. She said, what did you say? And I said, you're putting yourself in front of the patients, just like you always do. And Greg came out and yelled at me. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, this fucker's... Uh, so anyway... They bring out the anyway, absolute best in you. I yes. See. 10 beep. to 12 minutes. I'll try, I'll try to beep it. I never got out of my chair. Beep, beep, I'm just beep. sitting in my chair. I fucking calm. My dog is laying at my feet. If I wasn't fucking calm, my dog would not be laying at my feet calmly. You know, like that's the fucking proof in the pudding. So I'm sitting in my chair and bitch wife makes some snark-ass comment about like a apologist comment for the cops, like saying that the cops are our friends today. And from my chair again without like raising my voice but she's like standing like right as close as this guy to me so she's pretty close and I, she's standing up and I'm sitting in my chair still looking at my phone dicking around and I said no there's never any occasion where anyone who took taxpayer money to subvert the rights of citizens especially for using cannabis and making private choices about their private lives is ever okay I don't care if you turn around and smoke weed later that's bullshit it's never okay you're never forgiven for having participated in the drug war 
Because that's, that's how I feel, strongly. Right. Like, I, I, I came up when Nancy Reagan was going to steal my car for a damn seed. So I still feel like the people who participated in that on the streets and didn't just rise up and be like, fuck this bullshit, mm-hmm. they took a paycheck to be assholes. I'm a veteran and, of the drug war, but on the other side, I know exactly what you're talking about. And so I said, no, that's bullshit. If they took a paycheck to participate in locking people up, fuck them till all perpetuity until they rot in their fucking grave. And, and then fuck them some more. And then her, her rebuttal was to, you know, because she's not smart enough to keep her mouth shut, her rebuttal was to say, well, I applaud anybody who can turn around and change the way error of their previous ways. So again, calmly, from my chair, without raising my voice, I said, well, then why don't you start by looking in the mirror and ask yourself some hard questions about why you testified in favor of 1220 to take away the patients, every person in this room's right to grow their cannabis in their private residence. And that was all I said. And all of a sudden, Greg comes running at me with his finger right in my face, and he's foaming, literally. This is the third time in public that he has been foaming at the mouth, and these are the people that try to portray that I'm a crazy person. Um, he's foaming at the mouth, and he's like, you don't know what we went through after you publicized that we testified in favor. And I said, well, I publicized that you testified in favor because you don't know what patients go through if you're willing to say that 12 plants is enough for a private residence, right. and that's a cap that's reasonable. You're an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I, I did say, you're an asshole. <laughs> and he's screaming at me and screaming at me in my face. And everyone's just sitting there. Like, you know, everyone else is like, this is getting interesting. You know? I bet. And uh, all of a sudden, the retired cop that, that a certain person's wife was just recently making apologies for comes shooting out of the room where he's doing his roadside tests in a crouched position and tackles a certain shitheel. Mm. And he and his wife and his entourage were ejected from the scientific study, so I don't think they can use that on their GoFundMe program platform to say that they deserve money for their activism and participation anymore. Right. But they did get to be on the news. So they actually didn't get any data included in the study, but they did get to be on the news, so hooray for them. They probably accomplished their goal of the day. Right. But for the record, I am not a crazy person. I merely insightfully and possibly well-wordedly pointed out that what you did was wrong, and if you're going to go anywhere in public ever at any time and have done wrong Mm -hmm. and have the audacity to say something asinine to me, (laughs) there will be... A rebuttal. Boom goes a dynamite. A rebuttal. <laughs> of course. I mean, you're cheesecake lady. We know that. We know that. But I mean, I, they should know that. I don't think I'm as volatile as the reputation. I mean, I didn't no, raise like, my voice. I never got out of my chair. I never fucking got lost no, my cool. No, but as far as, you know, definitely don't fuck you over. That's for sure. No. Okay. Boom. Boom. What, what Adam said. Down, Do not please. fuck me over. <laughs> but you didn't back down either. No, I was not going to back down. And I was not. And he's like, this is, a, he yelled out before he started screaming in my face. He's like, nobody listen to her. This is a social occasion. This is inappropriate here. And I said, no, it's not inappropriate here. It's a matter of audio record in the legislative record that you testified in favor of taking away a patient's rights. You and your wife both. And so, you know, I, yeah, I was definitely not going to back ground. It was like, it's like T-ball. If you put the ball on the fucking tee, I'm going to swing. Tee it up for me. I'm, I'm swinging. I cannot not. I, like I cannot that. not. <laughs> but they are pretty unrepentant douches. And uh, I yeah, felt well, that people should, the record should be set straight. Otherwise, that study. So what got, what's day. getting public, you know what's going to get in there, what's not? Yeah. I don't know. I think it, I mean, like, it's, it's a kind of a gamble. They, they we're we're studying. Them, they didn't film the guy coming out tackling people. They didn't have the. 
the the news crew apparently was busy uh, oh doing a dog and pony God. show of people doing dabs and shit. That you know, is ridiculous. It's a circus. I mean, that part was like to me kind of unseemly. Like like if you don't want to be here to participate just for the sake of participation, like like this isn't an, this this this. It's a it's science, not news. You know, like I mean, it. I don't know. The whole thing to me is like just a manufactured. The whole thing was a manufactured media circus where they tried to present on the news on the story about it that you know it was this big scary thing and then the, the media total instead of them saying you know hey until we have the data from the study let's not run a story but no the media came in and made a whole you know dog and pony show. yes and i told the guy from the news i did not want to be on the news and then like a couple hours later sure enough i get a call from a friend like i just saw you on the news <laughs> <laughs> it used to be they'd ask you to sign a release. Now they don't care. No, you're you're particip- I mean, it was part of it was part of the release for the whole study that uh, because there was like that part where they were re- they were recording the people doing their uh, roadsides. Uh, and so when I did my roadside, I made objection because I'm one on what my left leg I have a broken femur and on my right knee I have no cartilage. So if you're going to ask me to stand on my one foot for thirty seconds, I, I asked the guy. I said, "Will you pick which foot? Because I'm injured on both legs. I have you know." Like, everything about the test that you're asking me to do is inherently prejudiced against somebody who has any kind of physical handicap or physical shortcoming or a disease that causes tremors or bodily, you know. Any disability. Yeah, any, any dis- physical disability. Yeah, or, or somebody like me who has hearing problems can have balance issues, too. Right. And so, you know, I have no problem with the following the pen with my eye and all that bullshit, but the, the walking the line... That's always the problem. Walking the Me, line. Me, Johnny Cash. <laughs> Walking that line. The men of my life will tell you. All right. It's not well, my favorite thing. We've got a half hour over, so should, right. we, should we wrap it up? Yeah, I guess so. I guess. Hey, you gotta I guess America's earlier. Grow Boys. You know, I know, but you know, fucking traffic people. Traffic, traffic. Whatever. I dealt with traffic last but week. But it was good. To, Fifteen minutes. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I don't have any witty, you know, rejoinder to follow up. Those are those are the rants of the moment. Rants of the moment. I'm working on shit. You should do rant. You should do your own little blog rant blog. That you can. I had a radio show for a while, but it's, it was far away from me. It was it was. What about just a blog? Like a blog. Um, I think they call that Facebook. I know. I, I like, just follow you on Facebook. What am I supposed see. to fucking paste and cut all that bullshit into one long yeah. diatribe where I tell you that exactly. you know that I that I grew you some organic lettuce in my garden and fuck you America right like a um, like a Dr. Bronner's uh, soap thing just kind of no. paste all together I can't see what's going on <laughs> I do see the bigger picture that's why I'm all fucking angry and irritable I know it's tough right yeah it's, it's hard out there for a pimp <laughs> so um Rev P, of course, next week here uh, for the uh, Trog Show. Trog, Trog, you know, of course. Yeah. You love Trog. You love Trog. Everyone loves all Trog. The, all the chicks love Trog. All the tricks <laughs> love Trog. At least the hot ones. Well, there you go. That, that's the, you're, you're, now you're, now you're uh, promising a lot. So if you're in uh, Denver, <laughs> come on through. It's actually, though, going to be a pretty interesting week because there's uh, that uh, graffiti show going on that whole week, so people are going to be kind of out moving and grooving and lots of art going on so moving and grooving moving and grooving and covering this town with fucking graffiti which is pretty dope so that'll be going on all that week yeah I heard that uh, Banksy got busted oh yeah Yeah, I don't know if it was real or not Uh, yeah that's that's my question perhaps it was a pseudo Banksy yeah yeah 
a setup involving yeah. a cat suit. I don't believe yeah. it. I, I was like, know. until he comes out and says, "Yeah, it's me." I don't know. And then I still well, how would you know it. if that was the? That's my the, point. I'd still question I could, it. I could tweet right now that that was fucking me. I don't fucking well, know. Well, it's actually they they contacted like his manager, the people that sold his art, and they've admitted, yeah, it was him. Ah, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, the good part is a good way to send off the trail. But did you yeah, see the him. the thing that he was doing in Palestine? Did you see that? Yeah, that's where they busted him at. He's yeah, like, it was a killer. There ain't no time for art when you're fighting the it man. The wall, it was the walled off. Walled ho- off. Walled off oh. hotel. Yeah. Oh. Was, Instead of the Waldorf, and there was like a little hotel, like kind of looking setup that was there, and people came and walked through, and there was a you know, living display or whatever, and you could see the wall right there that they were building, so it was pretty dope. It was like, Interesting. It was very smart, of course. And then they sent in the pseudo guy, of course. Yeah. You got to give him that much credit. I mean, I don't know. Right. What if it's a collective and they just sacrificed one of their four dudes? That could be it. Yeah. It very well could be because most of his art is stencil art. So you don't well, yeah, know. it wouldn't have I just to. work here. Yeah. Right. I don't know. <laughs> right. I did think of one other thing I was going to rant oh, about. Oh, my God. Like one the, second, the which is that I did is. go to the arraignment for uh, Mark Peterson and Ron Nyhouse this week, and mm-hmm. uh, their, their court date will be um, pre-trial on uh, October 9th. Oh man! For their caregiver trial, so yeah, support still needed in that case. That's all. That was quick. That was like not even support. really support. Okay, and is there a way to get support to them somewhere? Um, just if, Facebook, if, Facebook, next Facebook. I don't know. I mean, they, I don't know if there's a GoFundMe page. I just, no. I, 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 I'm not one of those people. I go to the courts and I show up. You know. And you say, fucking Jeff Co. Courts, October 9th. Jeff Co. Courts, October 9th. Bam. Dun, I don't know. Dun, That's dun, all I know is. Um, I just go to court dates and funerals, man. <laughs> Ain't got time to party. Mm, well, you know, I'm sure you make a little time here and there sometimes. Sometimes. Barely. I know I barely so do. So I have time. to get the travel bond. <laughs> travel ready. It's okay. silicon. So uh, we'll be here on the 15th. 15th next Friday. We'll, we'll have one more show because maybe we get truck on the show on that yeah. day on the thing. At least I, on, I expected him to get through today, but no, he but never tell did. Him, but tell him it's on a. Friday, so I might as well. Yeah, know. we're opening and we get you on the big screen, maybe. Boom, ba- bing, bang, pow, all over the place. Yeah. Trog it up. All right, so if you guys are in town, you can come to the show. If not, maybe we'll be streaming. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we'll figure it out. If it's streamable, out. I don't know. Yeah. The excitement is palpable. Mm. Yeah, it's sometimes better just to keep it all in. You know, Panama yeah. woke up. He thought it might be exciting. It is for. Um, big shout out to my beautiful wife, Cece, and little Nick, who's down at the farm at Aces. Shout out to the farm, of course. Uh, the farm itself, just the farm. No, the people down at the farm, even. Yeah. Shout out to Murray, Tim, uh, Andy, Ace, obviously. And uh, the chickens and all the horses. <laughs> all the living things. Uh, see you guys next week. We'll, uh, and. A uh, big shout out to M- MTI for going long. We went long this one because somebody came late, and we had so many guests, had and an then we had like set of a lot of phone in action. Thank you guys, Magley, and all you guys from the the Open Cannabis Project, uh, and also I blame two for one hundred percent, and this. two for calling in and stirring it up as usual. Oh. And uh, who else? What else? Oh, we had uh, oh Brett call back again later thanks for calling earlier and 
trying we got like i said if you you think three hours it means we got like 10 hours of talking he's like ah, we can talk for three hours i'm like that means at least 10 or 12 right. more so call in next week add another few minutes to it of course you know yeah. chisel away at that story uh, also well let's see i don't know what else we're going on uh something good some i don't know who knows who the fuck knows i know i'm not going to la for that thing with uh Oh, with the, so that forum? With the, the douchebag guy. What's his name? The, Narrow that down. The douchebag. <laughs> the douchebag. Uh, what's oh, his name? Roger Stone. Roger Stone thing. Yeah, I'm not doing that. So uh, there you go. I was supposed to go to that. Did like, you like yeah. how I, I was able to narrow it down <laughs> all by myself? Yeah, Roger, you're like, you're, you're, like, you're like Google. It's like douche, uh, Roger Stone. There top douchebag of the moment. <laughs> he's a douche. Yeah. But he, he's not the top douchebag on my radar for douche elimination. I wanted to get high with him at first. I was like, yeah, that'd be fun to go get high with him and then call him a douche. And you're douche. He, I don't he want does to get sp- high with someone. I just want to call them a douche. Well, your first and I want to go get yeah, high with cool people. Weed. I want to get high with nice exactly. people and enjoy myself and call douches out. Like That's why I didn't want to go on that looper bus with them married people. All right, uh, loopy. Loopy. All right. All right, guys. Peace, and see you guys next week. See you.